and we are on air. This is Monday night, April the 3rd, and it is time for our Richmond NASCAR Race Review here on Bamper Racing Radio. And, uh, boy, do we have a big show here tonight. Uh, in the first half hour, we're going to start with the latest short track news. Then we'll review the ARCA West race at Irwindale Speedway. And then after that, we're going to review the NASCAR Truck Series race at Texas Motor Speedway. At the top of the hour, we have our guests coming on board. We actually have two guests tonight. The first is ARCA West driver Sean Hingarani from Venturini Motorsports after winning at Irwindale Speedway on Saturday night. Afterward, we're going to review the Xfinity Series race at Richmond. And then our second guest comes on board, ARCA West driver Jake Bowman. He's a rookie this year, racing with High Point Racing. And then afterward, we will review the NASCAR Cup Series race at Richmond. We end this episode with Hot Topic Sound Off with our Bamper Racing crew, and that should start uh, at the uh, top of our fourth half hour. So uh, definitely uh, looking forward to uh, chatting here tonight. Uh, our co-host for tonight is uh, Jay. I'm sorry, is Sal Segala. And uh, he just got here, so I'm going to bring him into the queue. Welcome to the show, Sal. Oh, thank you, Sharon. All right. I've gone through the agenda for tonight so we can get right into our hot topic conversation. Uh, I did send some notes to you today. So uh, if you want to go ahead and get started with some the dirt news, we'll start there. Okay, our... You know, did you uh, do something with the uh, with the app? No. Huh? Because we used to have our own. We used to have our own yeah, private. Well, it, that there is going to be a change coming up soon. On April twelfth, they're going to just continue our current app, and we'll have to go with a downsized version. So I don't know oh, if you're okay. on the right. Yeah, no, 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 I'm here. Okay. I, I so we're going yeah. to have to get into the show because time is a premium okay. tonight. So, yeah, so we're on the dirt. Okay, so the National Midget Hall of Fame, Jim Jim Ryder has passed away. Richie Murray, USAC. That's written by Richie Murray at USAC Media. Okay. So uh, certainly our condolences to the family of Jim Ryder. Uh, it's uh, always sad news when we lose one of our own. Also, Dirt Tracker reported that Sprint Car chassis provider Eli is being shut down. So among those that run Eagle chassis are Kyle Larson and Rico Abreu uh, as far as Dirt Track racing. So uh, check that out at Dirt Tracker. And then from there, then we go to the full-time driver roster for the high-limit Sprint Car Series has been released, has been revealed, and that you can find it on Flow Racing, written by Brandon Paul, who who was also uh, the editor-in-chief at the old um, Speed 51. Oh, okay. And then uh, also, uh, Brad Sweet took the opening win of the World Outlaws weekend, so you can check that out over at uh, worldofoutlaws.com. It was written by Alex Knighton. Okay, and then from there, then we go to uh, 
James McFadden. Oh, with with yeah, yeah, with with James McFadden dominating to claim the second race at Devil's Bowl Speedway, and that's also written by Alex Knight at theworldofoutlaws.com. A Line 100 weekend was called off for the World of Outlaws uh, late model series uh, because of uh, bad weather. Mike Warren, Mike Warren uh, wrote about that over at World of Outlaws as well. I know we've got more bad weather coming through Illinois tomorrow. And then um, USAC postponed its sprint car race at Lawrenceburg Speedway to April 8th which is probably for the same reason, probably um, weather-related. Mm-hmm. And yep, then you can yep. find it at USAC Media. Also, Cody Swanson is back to chase an eighth USAC Silver Crown title with a combined uh, Kevin Doran-Dan Binks effort. Uh, you can That came from USAC Media. Uh, now we'll move on to the short track news that we have here. Okay, then uh, first thing on the agenda for that is a postponement for the Southern Super Series left on the SRL national event at Mobile National Speedway and a busy weekend for the Southern late model racing. Matt Weaver wrote that on short track scene and that was also postponed because of um because of bad weather. Okay. As for that race, no visibility, no problems for Bubble Pollard. The short track ace prevailed in a race shortened by intense fog. Again, Matt Weaver wrote about that over at Short Track Scene, if you want to check it out. Well, I, I think that's probably Bo Pollard's third win in a row. So he's, yeah, uh, he's back, doing pretty back, well. Back, back in a bubble Pollard um, uh, winning fashion again. And then from there, then we go to Paint Sellers, and Carter Langley took wins in a pair of twin 71s at South Boston Speedway this past weekend. You can read that on a Short Track Scene also. Dylan Fetchko uh, stood tall in the opener at Nashville Fairgrounds Speedway. Matt Weaver writes about that over at Church Rack Scene. And then here are takeaways from last weekend's Cars Tour race at Florence Speedway. Uh, I don't know what the takeaways are, but uh, you can find that at Short Track Scene also. Matt Weaver covering that action out there. Okay. Um so a lot going on there. Uh, I'm just going to hop over here to Racing America and see what's there. Uh, I know there's so many top stories uh, that are being written about in racing. Things are starting to really uh, kick into high gear. Uh, so the 500 Sprint Car Tour kicks off with Glenn Nibel Classic at Anderson Speedway. So that's uh, one of the big ones there. And then it's Alan Turner Pro Late Model Time at Five Flags Speedway as well. Uh, that's always big. And what about this one, Sal? Jonathan Davenport's going to run the double duty at Bristol. He'll be running in the truck race with Spire Motorsports as well as the Cup Series race on Bristol Dirt. That's that's going to be a that's going to be a, a really neat thing. And actually, um, for those of you that on Saturday. NASCAR had made a, an announcement that Phoenix wouldn't be the last race of the season, that they're going to run at the Bristol Dirt Track in 2024. But if you all remember, Saturday was April Fool's Day, so it had a lot of the fans actually <laughs> believing. And when I was at the track earlier on Saturday night, a lot of the fans were saying, well, no more Phoenix. I go, why? They said, you didn't see the, the announcement that NASCAR put out, the Bristol Dirt Race was going to be the 
the finale. And I says, where are we today? April 1st. Okay, it's probably April Fool's Day joke, so I, I, I would wait until yeah, Monday or Sunday, you know, to see if it was true or not. Yeah, and it wasn't. Okay, uh, there's also some great articles over at uh, Flow Racing, Sal. Uh, if you want to check those out, Kyle Larson, uh, the late model challenge, what to expect and how do you watch it. And then Chase Briscoe is going to compete in the Kyle Larson late model challenge at Volunteer Speedway. So uh, some NASCAR drivers uh, going racing on the short tracks. And then we've already given you a lot of uh, different things that are going on that were written about over at uh, Short Track Scene. So we're going to go ahead and move on over to the Arkham Menard series. Big night out at Irwindale Speedway on Saturday night when Sean Hingarani earned his first Arca West victory. Uh, were you there, Sal? Uh, yes, I sure was. So tell us about it from your point of view. I'll tell you, it was a it was a heck of a race. A lot of cautions. Um, uh, a couple of drivers that you never expected to finish where they did for the cars that they had. You know, um, you know, got some good finishes, and um, I'll tell you, it was a it was a good it was a good solid win for Sean. He, um, uh, you know, he did he he didn't. Actually, Trevor Huddleston started out of the pole, and then uh-huh. um, uh, shot, shot how to work his way up. And finally, after some battling with uh, the, um, Trevor Huddleston and Landon Lewis, uh, he finally took the lead. And then him and Landon Lewis kind of swapped the lead back and forth. And then um, finally, like probably the second half of the race is when is when uh, Sean just kicked in the high gear and and. Uh, you know, beat him on the restart and got out there, got out front and got the win. It was a very exciting win for him and it's, you know, uh, Venturi Motorsports team. First time they've won on the West Series. So that was a big win, yeah. not just for Sean, but for Venturi Motorsports as well. They're, and he's going he's gonna to compete in both the East and the West in some uh, ARCA races as well with Venturi. Yes, and he's also going to – yeah, and then he'll be racing in two weeks at uh, – They'll be running a super late model for Derek Thorne Racing in Tucson. So if, if any of oh. you are from the Tucson area, in two weeks we'll have our our SRL Southwest Tour Race. We'll be going to visit the Tucson Raceway, and Sean will be out there in Derek Thorne, uh, Derek Thorne Racing um, uh, uh, super late model. Well, we also have Sean Hingarani on the show at 9 o'clock tonight, so definitely looking forward to chatting with him. Again, he won the race, the Arca West race, out at Irwindale Speedway, and second place was Landon Lewis. Tanner Reif finished uh, third, Trevor Huddleston fourth, and Tanner Reif, Tyler's brother, finished in fifth place. Rounding out the rest of the top ten were Kyle Keller, Takuma Koga, Bradley Erickson, Bobby Hillis, and David Smith. Uh, so also at 9.30 tonight, we have Jake Bowman from High Point Racing. He's a rookie this season. He finished 12th. He'll be on the show at 9.30 p.m. Eastern time tonight. So uh, do you want to talk about the standings, Sal? Or do you have a comment about the yeah. top ten? Yeah, so, yeah, the top ten, was, it, was a, it, was a, it was a very well-contested race. Um, like I said, you know, there were some, some drivers, you know, that, uh, let me see, where's the, 
I just had it. The points? I've got it up. No, I, uh, oh, no, no, I have the points. I was talking about the the finishing order. So, um, anyways, we got two um, Bradley, yeah. Well, actually, we've got Bradley seven Erickson. minutes. I'm sorry. Yeah, so actually, Bradley Erickson looked really tough. Um, he looked like he was going to be one of the ones to beat, too, and then he got into a... Uh, wrecked kind of uh, kind of late in the race, but um, all in all, it's a good way. So it's a good win for Sean Hangarini for the Century Motorsports team, and um, and a good solid finish for uh, Tyler Reif, who had problems all weekend long, couldn't find speed, couldn't find grip, and um, how he managed to get that pick up that third place finish was uh, it was uh, it was pretty amazing. So with that. We're going to go over Pretty to our points. Pretty tight points battle in the top five. Oh, yeah. It's a really tight points battle. And, I mean, you got to remember, too, we're only two races in. But right. still, you know, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a good points battle. So, with the, with that, we got um, Tyler Reif, who's, um, who's leading the points, who has that one win, which was the season opener for the West Series at Phoenix um, a couple weeks ago. Um, sitting in second is uh, Landon Lewis. Um, third is Trevor Huddleston. Fourth is Bradley Erickson. And rounding out the top five is Kyle Keller. And then from there, then we go down to Sean Hingarani in uh, sixth. Tanner Rice, which is Tyler Rice's brother, who's raced for Bill McAnally. The only Bill McAnally racing uh, um, ARCA car that's out, that's out, you know, that's out racing this year is in seventh. Todd Sousa in eighth, uh, Takuma Koga in ninth, and rounding out the top ten would be Eric Nascimento. Yeah, it looks well, like they skipped it goes, ten. It goes, yeah, they skipped <laughs> a number or something. Yeah, they skipped, they the skipped a number. Then. Okay. I think, you so. know what? We, we, we could always stick Frankie Munoz in there. <laughs> there you go. Was the he there Friday or last uh, Saturday night? No, he wasn't. I kind of thought he would have made it to go out and watch, but he didn't. So, mm, I, guess, yeah, uh, I guess Frank, I, I, I guess, I guess Frankie disowned us. I guess. Well, yeah, those are some good finishes. Uh, Bradley Erickson and Kyle Keller are actually tied for that fourth place at 11 points apiece. Uh, so, 13 points separate uh, the top six drivers. Uh, Sean Hingarini being the other driver with a win, along with Tyler Wright. So just really amazing uh, stuff happening already in the ARCA West Series. Uh, So definitely looking forward uh, to more racing going on in the ARCA Menard Series uh, for this season. Uh, This one is shaping up to be... uh, uh, a fun series to watch for the season. Now, on April 22nd, there's going to be uh, two races on two different tracks. The General Tire 200 for the Arkham Menard Series will take place at Talladega Super Speedway. That will be televised by Fox Sports 1 at 12.30 p.m. Eastern Time. But also on the 22nd, the Arca West is going to race the Napa Night Vision 150 out at Kern County Raceway Park. That will be available via live streaming at Flow Racing. 
So uh, we'll talk more about those races as we get closer to those dates. For the ARCA East, they race at Dover Motor Speedway on April 28th at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, the General Tire 125. And, again, that race will be available via live streaming at Flow Racing. So um, uh, that pretty much gives you all the updates for the Arc, uh, Menard series, but there are so many great articles over at Arca Racing. You definitely want to check check out all the highlights from uh, the race at Irwindale, and um, uh, as well as just the other articles that feature a lot of the different drivers. Okay, so when, so I'm going to. So, so when is the replay? Well, the it's a delayed broadcast. What do you mean? What's a replay? When 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 are they going to replay the race for those that didn't get to see it? Okay, uh, if you go when, to the when, broadcast when? link at um, at uh, arcaracing no, no, dot com, you can find it okay, there. No, no. Irwindale Speedway replayed today. Actually, it'll replay um, April twenty third at twelve noon on CNBC. But I do advise everybody to check your local listings to make sure you've got the correct time uh, for that. But CNBC is doing all of the delayed broadcast uh, of these races this season. So that's pretty cool. Okay. So uh, so the race we played today? On April 23rd, Sal. Okay. You know, that, no, I know. That's what I was asking. The race so that took place on April 1st will be delayed broadcast on April 23rd at 12 noon. Wow, so the then basically it's going to overlap. It's going to overlap the next uh, arcade race. Right. Okay. Okay. Uh, now, I do want to get over to the truck series because we want to do that before our guest comes on board. Uh, the SpeedyCash.com 250 was won by Carson Hosevar, an exciting finish there. Age 20, uh, he drives the number 22 Worldwide Express Chevrolet for Nice Motorsports with crew chief Phil Gold. It was his first victory in 59 Truck Series starts and his first victory in second top 10 finish this season. His first victory in second top 10 finish in 10 in three races at Texas Motor Speedway. It was Chase Purdy finishing in second place, his first top ten in four races at Texas, and his third top ten finish this season. It was a career-best finish for him in the truck series. Stuart Friesen finished third, posting his sixth top ten finish in 11 races at Texas. And Jake Garcia came in fifth. He was the highest-finishing rookie of the race. Uh, Nick Sanchez looked like he was going to be the dominant driver and win this race. He uh, dominated 168 of 172 laps in Saturday's race, but the 21-year-old rookie and reigning truck series champion Zane Smith collided at the front end of the field after taking the white flag, and Carson Hosevar drove through to take his first career victory in a double overtime. So, uh, again, he was the driver that won this race. Uh, but the, um, let's see, Dean Thompson was one of four drivers that was involved in a wreck on lap 146. 
Thompson's battered Toyota took multiple hard hits. He climbed from his race truck under his own power before receiving medical assistance. He was awake and alert following the accident, but was transported to uh, Baylor Scott and White Medical Center for further evaluation. Uh, so it turns out that uh, he uh, was released from that hospital and decided to go to Charlotte and be seen by his local doctor there. So Sanchez dominated the race. He started from the pole. He swept stage one and two and uh, had a really exciting race until the very end. Uh, as we indicated earlier, Chase Purdy uh, scored his career best finish of second. Then it was Stuart Friesen in third. Ty Majeski fourth and Jake Garcia finished fifth. Haley Deegan uh, uh, again had another sixth place finish. Um, Corey Heim finished in seventh. Ryan Vargas eighth, also a career best in eighth. Uh, Jack Wood and Ben Rhodes round out the top ten. There were seven lead changes among four drivers, 12 cautions for 36 yellow flag locks, and the average speed of the race was 99.39 miles per hour. Your thoughts, Sal, about the top ten here? Yeah, the top ten was a really good, uh, really good, a uh, um, you know, mix-up of, uh, of drivers in there, you know. It was. Uh, congrats, you know, the whole, congrats to the host of our, you know, for the race win. Um you know, sure was one, you know, that was well-deserved. And uh, let me see, who else do we have? Oh, yeah, Chase Purdy, you know, finished second. Um, mm-hmm. But how about that uh, That um, Bill Jake McAnally? Garcia. Yeah, Jay Garcia from Bill McAnally. Congrats, a uh, huge congrats to Jake on that finish. It's yeah, a matter that of time was before we... Oh, yeah, it'll be just a matter of time before you see him and his teammate in a... Uh, and um, uh, hopefully a victory lane this year. Yeah, because Heim of that continue. accident. Yeah, Corey Heim's doing good. Yeah, he continues to uh, he continues to be uh, impressive this year. He does. Now uh, the race did end under caution with the uh, wreck between uh, car- between um, Nick Sanchez and Zane Smith. Uh, but there were several cars that were out early due to accidents throughout this race. Chad Chastain was out on lap 17, Keith McGee on lap 39. Matt DiBenedetto made it to lap 122. He had a vibration in his car, as did Matt Keith McGee. On lap 34, Matt Mills was out because of an accident. Trey Hutchins was out on lap 137. Armani Williams out on lap 140. Dean Thompson, that was such a horrific hit he took. He was out on lap 143. Tanner Gray on lap 161 uh, because of an accident. A few other drivers um, made it, but there were laps down. Tyler Ankrum was um, several laps down, as was Daniel Dye. Taylor Gray, Brett Holmes, Spencer Boyd, Josh Rayum, Colby Howard, Raja Caruth, and one lap down was Lawless Allen. Everybody else, uh, or I should say two laps down, uh, two other drivers, Nick Sanchez and Grant Enfinger, ended up finishing a lap down. Uh, the race went, race went for 172 laps. 
So we'll go ahead and hit the points report now. Okay, now we're going to hit the points. The points are, as we look, uh, let me see where the points at, driver points. And we are still looking at Ty Majeski leading the points. Actually, it was St. Smith last week leading the points. Mm-hmm. This week it's Ty Majeski leading the points now by only three points. And then from there we go down to third, which is Ben Rhodes. Fourth is Christian Eckes, who's with uh, uh, Bill McAnally Racing. Uh, fifth is Matt Crafton. Uh, sixth is Grant Infinger. Seventh is Chase Purdy. Eighth is Corey Heim. Ninth is Dick Sanchez, who's the highest rookie in the point standings as far as uh, going to Chase. And rounding out the top ten is Tyler Ankrum. Yes, indeed. Uh, it's really exciting. Uh, the one with the most... Uh, Playoff points so far is Zane Smith with his two race wins. That kind of gives him a leg up. Christian Eckes also has eight. Uh, So those are your points leader as far as playoff points. Uh, But, yeah, this has been an interesting season in the NASCAR Truck Series. And it was a standalone race for the uh, Truck Series this week at Texas Motor Speedway as well. Yes, it was, and um, it's going to be uh looks like it's going to be a very, very interesting season. Um, I'm sure we should see Jake Garcia probably, as the weeks go on, start to pick up more spots and get up there, you know, in the, into the top ten, you know, to get himself into the playoffs. Yes, indeed. We'll have to keep an eye on that for sure. Okay, let's go ahead um our next guest will be coming on board here shortly, and that is Sean Hingarini. As we mentioned earlier, he won this week, his very first uh, win at Ar- in the ARCA West this season, uh, out at Irwindale Speedway with Venturini Motorsports. And Venturini is uh, supporting him in racing um, in both the East and the West this season. So it was the first win for Venturini at a West race so that was pretty exciting yeah it was i mean he earned the win you know they worked hard um you know he was fast all weekend long you know and and at the end you know when at the end of the 150 laps you know what he was going to cross the line first so he's the one that got the win and it should Mm -hmm. be a, a pretty interesting uh interview he was excited running around you know hugging everybody around him crew crew chief you know, his parents, it's always neat because his parents go to his races. And they had a suite, so his sister was there, too. And, um, you know, so it was just neat, you know, see the whole family there and, uh, you know, and to see Sean get the way, you know, to, you know, for them to uh, enjoy it with them was, uh, you know, was, was a huge thing for the um, for the family. Yes. Indeed. Um, with his win, Hingarini joins a long list of drivers who have won a race with Venturini Motorsports. So his name now goes on this list with Joey Logano, Christopher Bell, Alex Bowman, Corey Heim, Christian Eckes, Chandler Smith, Pat Gilliland, and Harrison Burton. So Sean Hingarini can add his name to that list of drivers who've won with Venturini Motorsports. Oh yeah, and and it's and it's uh, um, and just just an honorable mention. Um, Kevin Reed Jr. is his crew chief. Yeah, um, did a great job, you know, with them this weekend, you know. And uh, I was talking with Kevin for a little bit, 
you know, the last time I talked to Kevin was when he was crew chiefing for uh, uh, Haney Deegan with Bill McAnally Racing. So, you know, he got his win and, um, you know, excited about it. And, you know, it was, it was a neat, you know, the neat time, like I said, for for both of uh, for both the uh, family and uh, family and friends as well as Sean. Okay, I am uh, going to bring Sean into the queue now. He is here, and first of all, Sean, I want to give our congratulations to you for winning uh, out at Irwindale Speedway this past weekend. Uh, that had to be super exciting for you and your family. I understand they were the, at the track with you. Uh, give us your thoughts when you realized that you had this win in hand and uh, you were going to be celebrating in Victory Lane. Uh, first of all, can you guys hear me all right? Yes, we can. Sweet. Um, you know, it was it was a dream come true uh, just to win an ARCA race and uh, – do it that fast. I never thought I would be able to um, win an ARCA race, you know, so quickly into my career. And um, just this is the help of all the guys uh, down at Ventimini Motorsports, uh, Toyota, Mobile One, just everyone behind uh, the operation of it, friends, family. You know, it just means a lot to me, and it wouldn't be possible without all of them. I mean, I was just so pumped to get that win. Well, you're, you're doing somewhat of a um, something that Ventimini Motorsports has never done before, uh, they're, uh, uh, you're going to be racing with Venturini Motorsports. Not, they're known as an East team with the Arca Menard Series. And uh, you're going to be racing with them for the full schedule in the Arca West this season, as well as the Arca East and a few uh, Arca Menard Series races. So uh, that's got to be pretty exciting for you as well. Yes, it is going to be exciting. I'm I'm very excited about it, happy with the opportunity I got, and I'm um, looking forward to all the races I have ahead of me this year. Is there any race that you're looking forward to more than any of the others? You know what? Um, I'm looking forward to all of them, honestly. I mean, just ready for Kern in a couple of weeks here, and um, just excited to get back in the car and uh, hopefully go uh, do it again. Okay. Are you an iRacer, Sean? Do you do any iRacing? I am I am not an iRacer. I did just get a sim though, so I'm working on it. Oh, okay. Well that's good that's kind of uh cool to hear. Um so you'll be able to uh maybe uh do some iRacing racing at some of these tracks in preparation because some of these tracks you've never raced on before. So that's gonna be new. Which do you know which ARCA races you're going to be racing this season? Um, yes, um, as far as the main series. Mm-hmm. Um, I do. Uh, my, my, my understanding is that you're going to race uh, the full ARCA East and the full ARCA West season uh, with a handful of uh, the main ARCA Menard series races. Yeah, I'm doing the East-West and then um, select main series races. So I'll be doing Berlin, Mid-Ohio, um, and Toledo. Oh, okay, those are those are some big ones. So uh, definitely we'll look forward to watching you race on those tracks. Um, now, I know also joining us here tonight is our co-host, Sal Sagala, <laughs> I'm going to give him the mic here for a few minutes, and I know he's got some questions for you as well. He was at the track 
this weekend and watched you win that race. Sean, first of all, congratulations again on the win. I know it was a huge win. You know, it was neat to see your family there, you know, your grandparents and everything, you know, your sister and, gosh, you know, all your, your especially your Raider buddies, you know, that's that was the best part, you know, was, the, was Raider Nation in the house. But um, anyways, going back to the win, um, kind of kind of go over what what you went through not, not not so much on practice Friday, but with the practice Saturday and the and the qualifying. That now that you know now that Arca is finally allowing you know a full practice and a full um, qualifying session as to where when the pandemic came, there was nothing. It was you just went out there and raced. Um, well, I didn't race in the arc in the pandemic, but, uh, so I'm used to how the format is now, but I mean, we were, we were had some pretty good speed all weekend and, uh, thanks to Kevin Ray Jr. I mean, just really good crew chief and he, uh, he knew what he was doing and everything. So the whole Venture Motorsports team actually just did a great job. And I mean, we were, we were faster in the night than the day, so. Um, that's kind of when it mattered, and uh, I mean, that's that's how we won the race. We weren't they weren't showing up to win practice. So, um, how um, how many races uh, um, are you going to have Kevin Kevin to read with you? Is he going to be with you the the whole the whole season, both east and west, or is it just going to be certain races? He will be with me for the very large majority of the races. Um, what's it like working with uh, with a veteran crew chief like Kevin? You know who's you know who's worked with you know some of the you know some of the top drivers you know who are in you know Racing Cup, Xfinity, and um, and the uh, Camping World Truck Series. Um, you know he's awesome to work with. Um, I think we have a starting to build good chemistry, and um, you know we just communicate real well. So I think that's important with uh, just to be able to communicate well with your crew chief and your team, and I think uh, just this team suits me really well. You know, and actually coming from, you know, from the Southwest Tour, you know, the SRL series, you know, into the um, into the ARCA car, what's what's the biggest difference that you see, you know, between the super late, the pro late, and then, of course, you know, your ARCA car? I mean, there's so many differences, but um, I'm going to have to go with the biggest difference just being the weight. Um, the weight of those cars is they're just real heavy, you know, so they just drive a lot different. Do you think it's 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 a lot easier to drive or is it a little or is it a little bit harder to drive than let's um let's say than the super? Um They're both um they're both difficult, um, at times and uh you know, it just it just depends on the day, you know. Just, Whenever you have a good race car, it's pretty easy to drive. When you have a uh, when something's wrong with the race car, it still makes it challenging. So, I mean, they're both difficult at times. They're both uh, a little bit easier at times. You know, and, and actually, you know, getting the winning, you know, in, in front of you know, would I, what I would call your hometown crowd, um, probably Erndale would probably be one of your hometown tracks. You know, since you're only down the street, you know, down in um, you know, uh, down by the beach. Um, what, what was it like to celebrate, you know, to, you know, when you finally crossed the finish line, you know, realize, you know, that you got your first win, you know, and, and man, I just see the excitement, not only of, 
of you guys, but your, but the team, your whole team itself. Gosh, I mean, it was just a really big. It was a huge celebration down there. Yeah, we were all super excited. Um, the teams worked hard for it. Uh, I worked hard for it. You know, it, it was a. I, I would like to think it was a well-deserved win, and um, you know, everyone did their part there that weekend. So I, I think we deserve that win, and uh, we're just so happy we were able to get it because. You know, there's so much that goes into it and uh, how much uh, you need everything. When you need luck, you need fast car, you need everything to play right. Um, so it was just, just great to be able to win. You know, and, and actually getting, pre- uh, getting prepared for the season. You know, it's going to be a long season. Um, you'll probably be, I think you'll probably be running more races than last year. During the off season, what what kind of uh, what kind of workout regimen did you run? You know, did you work on as far as you know weights, you know um, running, and you know different things like that? We worked on everything, uh, just you know everything and anything. Uh, just the main things we need to uh, the main muscles and main uh, things we need to be uh, using in the car. So um, whether it's weight training or cardio, we did it all. And, and and how did all this come about, you know, to, you know, to go with the Venturini instead of, you know, instead of one of the other teams, you know, one of the other ARCA teams that was out there? I mean, you know, you had Phil McAnally racing, you had, uh, you know, High Point racing, you know, who who, who was the old Sunrise uh, Ford. And I'm sure, you, you know, you're probably entertained, you know, by a few, you know, by a few teams other than, than Venturini. Um, you know, it was just a great opportunity with Venturini. And to just they were able to make the both East and West series happen for me, which is not easy. A lot of it's just hard to do. You got to haul it across um, both sides of the uh, of the country, and um, it's just uh, tough. So they were able to do it for me, and I work like I said, I work well with them, and it was just a good opportunity, and I couldn't pass up on it. You know, then, you know, of course, you know, we talk about your age, you know, you're young, you know, you're going back, you know, you're going to be traveling back and forth across the country, you know, you know, from, you know, the east to the west, you know, as to where, you know, if you're, if you're just racing west, you know, you'd be here, you know, and just, you know, kind of flying around here, but, but now you got to go back and forth, you know, stop by the race shop, you know, to, you know, you know, to prep, you know, for the east races, prep for the Arcos races and then coming back and forth, you know, to the West. And then, of course, you throw the schooling in on top of that. Yeah, it is a lot. It definitely is a lot. But um, we make it happen. And, uh, you know, I just doing online school, it's a little bit easier for me to fit everything into my schedule. You know, then, of course, you know, you have your support, you know, your support system, you know, which is, you know, it's always the parents, you know, that are back there, you know, your friends. Um, what's it like, you know, to have, you know, to, you know, I, you know, I see your mom and dad there, you know, every race, you know, they're, you know, they're right there, you know, of course, you know, when you're with the team, you know, they let, you know, they give you that time with the team, you know, then you guys have your own, you know, family time, but, you know, it was neat, you know, to see, you know, that after the race, you know, see you kind of go and, you know, um, hang around up there, you know, in the suite, you know, with the family. Yeah, I'm just really lucky to have the support from my family and uh, lucky my parents make it out to all my races. Uh, I mean, and at Irwindale, I had uh, some family, like some more family and friends there, which was awesome just because it's hometown and 
you know, it just means a lot to me that my parents have been able to make it out to so many races. Hmm. Now, with that, Sean, I just want to say, once again, you know, congratulations on the win. Um, best of luck the rest of the season. Um, I know I'll see you in Tucson in a couple of weeks, and I'm going to pass it over to Sharon. I know she has some more questions for you. Okay, Sean. Uh, uh, one thing is, uh, as we kind of get to know you better, I know you've been very successful in the SRL. Uh, you've won some races there, and, and you've, raced at, you've raced at Irwindale before, I'm pretty sure, right? Yes, I have raced at Irwindale before, actually. And 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 also Kern Kern County Raceway, which is one of the tracks you said you were looking forward to going to. Um, are you doing any other racing besides the Arkham Menard Series this year? Are you racing any SRL races? Yes, I'm racing at Tucson, um, and I think two weeks here, so I'm excited for that one. And got a couple other Super Late Model races planned for the year. Okay. Okay. Um, and then uh, how did you get started in racing? Talk about that. how Sean Hingarini, um, I started, Hingarini got I started. I started in a legend car um, about a year and a, a little over a year and a half ago now. So we progressed quickly through the ranks, and uh, to be able to compete in Arkham now is just awesome. Okay, and what do you what do you kind of attribute your success to? Because uh, a lot of times drivers start when they're like seven or eight years old, or sometimes even younger than that. So, how did you get off to such a great start? Do you think? Um, you know, I just had had the right people helping along the way. Just so many people have made it happen. Um, just great driver coaches, great crew chiefs, great equipment. Uh, great uh my parents are just supporting this um you know everything there's so much that goes into it but um just lucky enough to be behind this uh, in the seat enough to get enough seat time and be able to progress quickly okay and um this season you're going to have some competition uh between the two series who do you who do you see as your uh, toughest competitor on the track um, I see everyone as a good competitor. You never know. Uh, anything can happen, right? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so uh, your goal is to beat them all every race, right? Our goal is to do as good as we can every race and hopefully win as many as we can this season. Okay. Uh, now, there's a few drivers that have won both the East and the West. Is that a possibility for you this season with Venturini? I think it's – I do think it's a possibility to win the East and the West. Um, we got the right equipment underneath us. we got the right guys behind us. And, uh, you know, if everything goes right, I think we'll be able to do it. Okay. And just one last thing. Your name is now added to a list of Venturini winners that includes some uh, dignitaries like – uh, Joey Logano, Christopher Bell, Alex Bowman, Corey Heim, Christian Eckes, Chandler Smith, Todd Gilliland, and Harrison Burton. Who, who is the driver that you look up to uh, in NASCAR? Um, you know, I look up to a lot of them, but uh, just having the help of my teammate, Jesse Love, he helps a lot, uh, just since he's on the team currently right now. And um, he's a good uh, – 
he helps me a lot with stuff. So thankful to have him on my side. And, uh, you know, Venturini has just had some, uh, like you mentioned, you mentioned some of the greatest in NASCAR right now. Venturini is a very great uh, driver development program. And uh, like I said, I think it's a great fit because they put a lot of the drivers through their uh, through their program and uh, they're in top now on some of those drivers. Absolutely. Okay. Um, before you go, uh, are there any? Is there anybody else that you want to shout out to uh, before we, we say goodbye here tonight? Uh, no, I just want to thank uh, you know the whole Venturini Motorsports team, my friends, my family, my parents, Mobile One Racing, Gear Rent, uh, Toyota. I mean, so so many others. Okay. Well. It's been a pleasure having you on the show. I know we've had you on before, and we hope it's not the last time that you're on with us, Sean. Uh, it sounds like you're going to have a uh, very busy schedule uh, and season, and I hope that means that you're going to have uh, a lot of wins here too, or more wins than just this one. So uh, we'll look forward to having you back on somewhere down the road here. Yep, thanks for having me. It was always a good time. Okay, well, again, congratulations on your victory. Thanks. All right. That is Sean Hingarani, and uh, a big win this weekend out at Irwindale Speedway with Venturini Motorsports, and really exciting to know, this is the first time that Venturini has done this, where they're contending for a championship in both the East and the West, and they're doing it with Sean this season. So uh, I'm really excited about that, Sal. Oh, yeah. You know, they had to, you know, they, um, you know, I'm sure, you know, if they looked around, you know, on, on which driver, you know, would best, you know, not only represent the organization, you know, but which driver, you know, who could, you know, who could who could perform, you know what, and, and, and keep the Venturini name, you know, up there on top, you know, and, uh, you know, um, you know, he's in his short you know, career, you know, he's, he's proven that, you know, and, and I think that that's a Venturini has seen. And then especially pairing him with Kevin Reed, you know, Kevin Reed Jr., that, that's just a huge, um, gosh, I mean, when I seen that Kevin was his crew chief and we, we talked a little bit and, um, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's, like I said, you know, it's just, it's just huge, you know, for the, not only for the sport, it's huge for him and, you know, and, um, Kevin is really good working, you know, with the younger drivers, you know, as we've seen him work with Haley Deegan, you know, and a few others, you know, uh-huh. as they came up. So, um, you know, it's going to be neat, you know, to see how far him and Sean, you know, go, you know, like you said, you know, but he'll be through the majority of the races. And, um, you know, I'm sure, you know, as hard as they worked this past Friday and Saturday, you know, the, you know, it all paid off with the, you know, the big win. It was a long race, 150 straight laps, no breaks in between. Um, yep. He had to manage his tires. He had to manage his car. Plus, he had to manage all the wrecks that were going on, and you know, and uh, it was a it was a field full of a lot of uh, a lot of rookies this year. You know, a lot of young drivers. I mean, it was amazing walking up and down the pits and seeing probably three drivers that were probably over 30 years old. You know, and the rest were all seemed like they're all under 21. You know, well, so we've got a lot to look forward to this season for sure yeah. in both the East and the West and uh, the three races that he talked about racing in the Arkham Menard Series. And one of the graduates from Venturini, Chandler Smith, 
won this weekend in the Xfinity Series out at Richmond Raceway. So well, that's my uh, lead-in into our Xfinity Series review. Uh, Chandler Smith, at the age of 20, uh, drove the number 16 Quick Tie Products Inc. Chevrolet this weekend for college racing. His crew chief was Bruce Slicker, and uh, it was his first victory in just 10 Xfinity Series races. Uh, his first victory and fourth top 10 finish in 2023 in the series, and his first victory and first top 10 finish in one race at Richmond Raceway. That's pretty impressive. John Hunter Nemechek finished in second place, posting his fourth top ten finish in six races at Richmond and his sixth top ten finish this season. Josh Berry finished third, posting his third top ten finish in four races at Richmond. Uh, And, of course, Chandler was first. He was also the highest finishing rookie of the race. Justin Algauer won the first race for the Xfinity uh, Dash for Cash, uh, the next four drivers that will compete at Martinsville, uh, in addition to Justin Allgaier, include Josh Berry, Chandler Smith, and John Hunter Nemechek. Um, so he earned that was uh, Smith's first Xfinity Series victory at Richmond Raceway, holding off John Hunter Nemechek on that final race restart, with just six laps left. Uh, and he was able to do it to host that uh, Toyota Care 250 trophy. He led a race high 83 laps and went on to win the Xfinity Series race at Richmond. Uh, and it was the second straight win for Colleg Racing. John Hunter Nemechek overcame pit strategy call that trapped him a lap down to finish second. Josh Berry scored his best finish of the season in third. Then it was Kaz Growl. It was good to see his name. Uh, Cole Custer finished fourth and fifth, and they each scored their first top five finishes of the season. And it was Sheldon Creed, Ryan Sieg, Parker Kligerman, Austin Hill, and what about Derek Krause rounding out the top ten in this race. The number 16 of Chandler Smith, uh, won his first career stage in the opening stage. Josh Berry uh, won stage two. There were 10 lead changes among seven drivers and six cautions for 43 yellow flag laps. The average speed of the race, 86.884 miles per hour. Your thoughts about the top 10 in the Xfinity Series, Sal? Yeah, I guess, uh, you know, Chandler Smith, you know, getting that win, you know, as a rookie, you know, John Hunter Nemechek, you know, who won out here at Auto Club Speedway, has you know, uh, at the end of the season, you know, finishing second. But, um, you know, you know, Cole Custer finally getting a top, you know, another top five finish, you know. and But it was it's it's nice to see Sheldon Creed, you know, having a good season this year. You know, he got that second place finish, you know. You know, he was expected, we expected a lot out of him last year. And, um, you know, he just never really could, you know, get anything solid going, you know. Um, Austin Hill continues, you know, with this tear on this in this series, you know, finishing, uh, um, you know, getting that ninth, that ninth place finish. Exactly. There were some really amazing finishes here uh, by a lot of drivers. I was real happy for Derek Krause getting that top ten finish as well. Um there's only one driver 
that was out because of an accident. Anthony Alfredo was out on lap 144 of the race, uh, and uh, that was because of an accident. The other drivers here that finished a lap or more down include Daniel Hemrick, Leland Honeyman, Blaine Perkins, Joy Gase, Connor Mosack, Patrick Emerling, Garrett Smiley, Mason Maggio, Stefan Parsons, Josh Williams, Brendan Poole, Greg Alding, Jeremy Clements, and Joe Graff, Jr. So um, uh, the margin of victory in this race was .298 seconds. That's amazing. Yeah, it is. Is that an ice cream man in your, in your background? No, I'm sorry. It's my phone ringing, my cell phone. I'm on my house phone. Oh, I was going to tell you, stop that guy, man, and, pick, and get me, tell him I want a sidewalk <laughs> Sunday. <laughs> okay. Well, I can't, I can't do that, but uh, uh, I'm, I'm going to leave a text for the person who called me while you do the points report, Sal. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, my gosh, that's funny. I'm getting to the points report right now. Okay, let me see. Standings. I have to go to NASCAR.com for this because JC didn't have it. Um, Okay, so still leading the points is Austin Hill. Uh, um, Second place is uh, Riley Herbst. Uh, Third is John Hunter Nemechek. Fourth is Chandler Smith. Fifth is Josh Berry. And rounding out the top six is Justin Allgaier. Uh, we do the top six, and then we do the next six because they take the top 12 into the chase. So with that, we go seventh is uh, Sheldon Creed. Eighth is Sam Mayer. Ninth is Sammy Smith, another rookie. And um, ninth is oh, that ninth is Sammy Smith, another rookie. And, and hold up in the 10th spot is uh, Cole Custer. So uh, we got a good little battle down there at the Oh, and then 11th is Daniel Hamrick and 12th is Parker Klingerman. I forgot it. We got the top 12 here. So um, uh, we got ourselves a good little, a good little uh, points battle here for the, uh, for the top, uh, for the uh, top 12 spot to see who's going to make it into the, uh, into the chase for the championship at um, Bristol Moore Speedway dirt track next year. Yeah, that's coming up next is the Bristol uh, uh, Race on Dirt. Uh, so that's going to make it exciting. Uh, but what about I'm, – I'm so excited for Riley Herbst. Uh, I think he's having a pretty good season. That win has got to be just around the corner for him. Yeah, he's he's due for a win. You know what? Um, I'm sure he'll get one. He's uh, He's getting close. He's been consistent this season. And um, you know, it's like it, you know, like you said, you know, it's good to see him, you know, sitting, you know, high top, you know, the, the point standings in second. So um, as the as the weeks go on, the season season goes on, and the races go on, we'll see how he fares. But yeah, I, I see his um, I see his uh, win not too far away. Yeah, I'm thinking so as well. Uh, okay, so. Um, yeah, definitely looking forward to uh, seeing the rest of the season with uh, Daniel Hemrick. Now, I purposely, uh, I mean, sorry, with Riley Herbst is who I meant to say. Um, I left a few minutes here, uh, Sal, for us to do a lead-in for Jake Bowman. I know he's a rookie in the ARCA West Series, and he had a 12th-place finish this weekend. Yes, he had a 12th-place finish. He had some 
some trouble with the, with another driver. Um, we 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 talked about it at the track. I said, you know, we always like to talk about the highlights. And Jake goes, well, I like to talk about what happened. I said, well, you know, I'm for it too. I said because I said we were on the show one time. I think we had Preston Feltier on, and him and Jeremy Doss kind of got into it. I said, and Preston just really on our show, just really reeled into Preston. I mean, Preston reeled into Jeremy, uh, the way Jeremy drove him. I said so. I said, we'll ask the question, and however you want to answer it, I said, it's up to you. So it's going to be an inter- interesting conversation with Jake. Um, he had a strong car okay. this weekend. Um, so, uh, well, tell us what happened. Know, he's a, well, oh, I'd rather let Jake tell you. Oh, it'll, okay. It'll, it'll be better coming from Jake. But anyways, let's talk about some of Jake's highlights. He's, he's, I'll tell you, this kid is one hell of a, uh, a car. He's one hell of a talent. Um, you put him behind the wheel of a, of a legend car, and, I mean, he's he's almost unbeatable. He races for uh, Donnie Hours Racing when he does his um, when he does his uh, legend legend cars. And we've had Donnie on the show, gosh, years and years ago when Donnie was still a kid, and he had picked mm-hmm. up one of his wins. But Jake also runs a late model program with Derek Thorne Racing, so we have another one of oh, Derek's uh, protégés on the show. Rating. Racing. Jake? No. Yeah. No, Jake's with Derek. No, no, Jake's with uh, Derek Thorne Racing. Oh, okay. He 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 has raced with not Samantha. He has raced, but no, he's um he's he's doing in the past, yeah. But he's doing his racing with Derek now, and with uh and with High Point Racing in the um. Right. Now you got me. In the Arca West. In the um. In the Arca West, yeah. And again, just some background on that. We've known um, Sunrise Racing, Bob Brunkati retired this past season, and now Tim Huddleston, who uh, owns and operates uh, Irwindale Speedway, is now, he has High Point Racing, and he took over those cars of the number six and the number nine, right? Yes, so now they're the 50 and the 55 car. Yes. And, yes. And of course Jake drives that so, number fifty five car for high point. Yes. Yes. Which are those are those have always been Tim's numbers for he's got the fifty, fifty one, fifty six and um he's always had those those numbers kind of around All right. So the kind, six and the nine kind, kind of, of retired there. with uh sunrise. <laughs> yes. Oh, okay. Okay, well, uh, we're definitely looking forward to talking with Jake. This is his rookie season in the Arca West. He's he's uh, just racing the Arca West, or is he doing other races this season? Do you know? Um, he's doing. You know what? It, maybe it would help if I gave him the phone number. Huh? Yeah, that would be a very helpful. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so. Uh, as soon as uh, okay, here, Falcon, yeah, he's, uh, Jake the phone number, he'll call us and yeah. we'll be able to get. Yeah. yeah, anytime he can call in and I'll bring him into the queue here. Um, but yeah, so he's planning to race uh, for the championship this year in the uh, West. Yes. Okay. He missed the first race. Oh, he did. He missed okay. The Phoenix race, but yeah. Oh, yeah. He missed the Phoenix race. That's when uh, 
when Tim signed him on uh, signed him on after the Phoenix race. So. Gotcha. Um, okay, well that's that's really cool. He's here now, so I'm going to bring him into the queue, and we're going to introduce Jake Bowman, uh, the rookie this season in the Arco West Series, uh, and. Uh, planning to race the full schedule there for High Point Racing in the number 55 car. Uh, Jake, welcome to the show. It's good to have you here. Yeah, thank you, guys. I'm glad to be here. Okay. Uh, Sal was telling us how you missed the first race, that uh, Tim Huddleston brought you into High Point Racing after that first race. Uh, tell us how that came about. Um, well, actually, I was just testing one night at Irwindale, and kind of walked up to me and asked me, uh, why aren't you in our car this year? I said, uh, just kind of didn't have enough time to get it all put together. And he goes, well, um, you want to come run for me? And he, we made, made up a contract and got to go run Irwindale, and we're going to run a total of five or six races to keep my rookie status for next year. And it should be okay. good. Okay, so... It's a part-time run this season, but you'll be back for full-time next season. Yes, ma'am. All right. Uh, that's good to know. Do you have any uh, plans to do any racing in the East or in the main Arkham Art Series this season? Um, not this season, since I'm only 15. Um, I really don't think it's wor- worth running the full uh, Arkham Art Series until, really, since I'm 18, because, I mean, you can't right. run a bigger mile and a half tracks. Okay. Uh, give us a little bit of an idea of how you got started in racing, Jake. Um, I got started in racing. I mean, my dad used to do it in the off-road stuff, and uh, I kind of got into that for about four or five years, and then I moved on to asphalt, and I'm here now. I mean, we're just kind of working working my way up as uh, slow as possible. You know, patience is key. Um mm-hmm. And hope, and my goal is to get to NASCAR someday. Okay, and speaking of NASCAR, who who is the driver that you look up to most in NASCAR? Um, I Kyle Larson probably since I mean he came from dirt. I mean, that's kind of what I came from, and I love his driving style. You know, he doesn't doesn't put up with anything. You know, I mean, he drives it hard. Okay. Well, that's a good one to look up to. He's the reigning champion in the NASCAR Cup Series. Um, yes, he is. So you mentioned uh, uh, the races, your part-time schedule this season. What tracks are you going to race at for, for um, High Point? So I ran Irwindale this past weekend. Um, then I'm going to do Kern, Madeira, the Bullring, and I know I'm doing Phoenix at the end of the year, and uh, I might do All-American, so that's about five right there. Yes, it is. And I'm, so are those tracks that you've raced at before, or are any of those tracks going to be new for you this season? Um, the only track that's going to be new is Phoenix, and I'm really oh, okay. looking forward to that. I mean, Cups, Cup yeah, guys that'll be on one it, of so. the biggest. That that'll be one of the biggest tracks you've raced on, right? Yes, it will. Yeah, yeah, that's always exciting for for the guys. Okay, um, Jake, I'm going to uh, pass the baton over to Sal Sagala, our co-host tonight. He's going to talk to you more about uh, the race at uh, Irwindale Speedway this past weekend. 
your first race with the ARCA West. So, Sal? Hey, what's up, Jake? Hey, great to have you on the show. Um, gosh, I wish we could have seen a, a much better finish from you, you know, you know, on your first your first trip out to uh you know, to race in the West. Especially at a, at you know, at your home track. But you know what, when you look at uh the circumstances that led up to what happened, I mean, you know, you still got your start out there, you know, you got your feet wet, you got to know what the car is like, you got to know what the kind of what the series is like. So what'd you think of the whole the whole um experience all in all? Um, all in all, I mean, it was such a great experience. I love the car, you know, it's it's fast. They turned somewhat decent from what I thought it was going to be. So I'm happy that it can turn. You know, it's a big, big, heavy car. So uh, I really wasn't expecting that. But, um, yeah, I mean, this weekend went pretty good. I mean, we were kind of top five all practices and stuff. Um, we qualified six. And uh, we started the race there. I mean, we kind of just stayed there. I think I fell back to seventh, just ran the whole race there. And then there was a the caution came out and kind of got up to fourth. And I kind of got uh, kind of pinched three wide. Um, I really didn't know that there was a third car on the bottom. He kind of uh, drove it in hard and kind of stuck his nose in. And I just kind of squeezed uh, the car on the inside. And that kind of – and then he got hit. And then it, it just all commotion coming out of turn two and kind of sent me in the wall. So so ra- racing these – these um, arcade cars as compared to, you know, the, um, you know, the legend cars, you know, that you're used to racing, used to winning and used to travel around the country. And, you know, um, what's, I mean, I know there's a huge difference, you know, in, in probably everything in it, but what's the one, one big thing that you that you know, the one big difference, you know, that, that, you know, you really had to adapt to, you know, to, you know, to be able to compete at this level. Um, I kind of put multiple cars together, basically. Like, I drove the, I feel like it's like the legend car, hustleness. You always have to be up on the wheel in the, in the arc car. And then the late model patience, you know, um, super late power. So I kind of put all three of those cars together and that kind of helped me out. I tested an arc car about two years ago and I kind of had some idea how it's going to race. So that was a big help. Yeah, but you know, like they always say, you know, practicing and getting to actual race, you know, you know, it's a, you know, it's two different things. You know, you always hear, you know, the kids that say, oh yeah, well, you know, I went out there, you know, I, you know, practiced this lap, you know, and I was faster than this guy and faster than that guy. Then when they get, when the actual race happens, you know, a lot of a lot of tangibles come into play. You know, like, you know, like what happened, you know, this past weekend, you know, you know the you know the incident you had with um you know, with one of the drivers out there, you know, after having a good run going. Yeah, I mean, it's just a completely different ball game from practice to the race, and I kind of had that figured out. I mean, I did a lot of iRacing, you know, a lot of iRacing races in the ARCA car, so that kind of helped me out. Um, kind of trying to save tires on iRacing. I mean, iRacing is such a big help nowadays, and uh, it's so realistic, and that kind of kind of helped me figure out tire saving wise. So now that you got your feet wet in the Arca series, you've raced pro late, you race super late, you race legends. Which car would you say is probably 
I mean, it's hard to say which one's really your favorite favorite, but which one would you say is an early favorite, you know, going, you know, as you advance farther and farther in, um, into your racing career? Um, I say legend cars. I mean, you're always up on the wheel. You're always going to be competitive. Like, you're always going to show up and there's going to be 10 guys to win, 15 guys to win. You're always battling hard. You're always, there's just never a, chance to relax you know there's always you're always you're always fighting for a position or doing something so that's why i think that's probably my favorite car so going moving forward into the season you know you uh you know you also race you know you know a pro late with derek with uh, derek thorne um are, are we going to see you more in the pro late or are we going to see you jump maybe possibly into a super late so I think I'm going to do one or two more pro late races with Derek and uh, kind of move up to the super, kind of run the uh, last couple races of the tour series and uh, see where that goes. But I'm running this weekend at Madera Speedway in the pro late just to just try to keep my uh, feet wet, you know, in the car, just kind of be racing every weekend, always in the seat. You know, that's like the biggest thing. Never just be having a free weekend, just always driving is the main key. So, my question is: Being young, you got the Arcus, you got the Arca series, you got the Pro Late, you got the Super Late, you got the Legend, you got four different teams. How hard is it when you come down on the weekend to race, and you're you're dealing with a different crew chief, you're dealing with a different team, you're dealing with a different car, you're dealing with a whole different crew. Everything is different. The track. I mean, how do you prepare yourself for? each week that's going to be coming up until the end of the season? Um, I mean, to prepare, to prepare myself driving-wise, I do a lot of iRacing. I mean, that's how I prepare myself for the car change, watch a lot of videos, and then the team changes. I mean, Legend Car stuff is kind of a two-man show. So, I mean, I've been running him for year, with Donnie St. Hours for years, so it's kind of family deal, right? So it's kind of like different. I mean, the arc is... Team. I mean, that was a big change since I didn't know anybody. I only knew Tim Huddleston, Trevor, of course, and it was just, I've known a lot of these guys since I've been racing for years, so it's not like some random people, like, showing up, like, never met this team, and uh, so it's kind of good that I've kind of known everybody I've raced with, at least talked to them once at the track, so, I mean, kind of not a big change in environment, but it is to a certain point. So what's it like to have a to have somebody like Travis Thurtettle as your crew chief, you know, knowing the history, you know, between Travis and his dad, you know, gosh, they go back to when Orndale first opened, all the way back even beyond when Orndale first opened, you know, and then now, you know, you come to High Point Racing, you know, and Tim, you know, sets you up with Travis and uh, you know, and the and the rest of the guys, you know, that are on the team. Yeah, Travis was such a huge help this past weekend. I'm glad to have him as my crew chief this year. Um, he just knows so much about everything. Everything on that car he knows about. Because, I mean, he drives a modified. He just was at Kern last weekend or the week two weeks ago. And uh, he's just so fast in the modified. And it's kind of like the same kind of deal. You always have you have the big spring. You have shocks. You know, it's all kind of like the same kind of deal. So it's kind of good. He kind of knows a lot about the big spring stuff. So, He's kind of real. He's really familiar with the arc stuff, and he crew chief uh, Dean Thompson two years ago. So 
it's not like he doesn't know what he's doing. Of course, he's. I think he's probably the, he's still a good driver coach. You know, um, driver coach, crew chief. I really enjoyed having him this past weekend. He taught me a lot about the ARCA car. It's so fast, since it all came up together about in about two weeks. So, um, yeah, it's just a huge help. That's that's uh, that's pretty neat because I know. I know Travis, like you said, you know about you know about you know the uh, you know the program that Travis runs, or well, the program that basically Tim runs, you know. Because then on the on the flip side, you have Jeff Schrader, you know, who's won you know his fair share of races. Your your teammate Trevor Huddleston has won a lot of races there at Oregon, you know. So I mean, you know, you, it, it makes for a good mix. And then uh, then on your prolate side, you got Derek Thorne helping you, you know, with the prolate the super, and then on the legend you got one of the best in donning st hours out there so i actually you got yourself surrounded with um man i mean you talk about the the superstars of racing uh, i don't think you can get any better than that yeah i mean that's probably like the biggest thing in racing try to put yourself around the best people and the best people and they teach you the most they get you the best the best you know they give you the best and that's just the whole point of knowing people racing for years, you know. I mean, you need to you need to talk to people, you need to know people in this sport. And uh I'm glad where I'm at right now with all the teams that I'm racing for and uh yeah, I can't thank every single one of them. And with that, Jake, I'm I'm gonna it's getting we're getting towards the end of our of our time here. So I mean you know, of course we'll get you back on. But I just wanna say uh, you know, good luck the rest of the season. And um, I know we'll see at the track here pretty soon. And with that, I'm going to turn it over to Sharon. I know she has a couple more questions for you. Okay. Thank you, guys. Okay, Jake. Um, my question for you is, I know you're you're racing a lot of different series and everything this season. Uh, and we hear from some of the drivers that the ARCA car is very heavy. Uh, how is that for you to tra- make that transition between the uh, pro late, the super late, and the ARCA car? Is that a hard transition? Um, yeah, it actually is a very hard transition. So um, I actually tested an ARCA car last or two weeks ago, and I had a Legend race on that same day, and I it was in Vegas, and I totally hopped in the Legend car, and I was just slowing it down too much in the center. It just you have to use so much more brake, and it's just a whole different game from compared to like 1,200 pounds to 3,300 pounds. You know, it's just two yeah. different cars. And it's just a lot of weight change. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what we keep hearing over and over again, how much heavier these cars are. Um, we're running out of time here tonight, but like Sal said, we hope uh, to have you back on the show somewhere down the road here and during the season. And uh, I'm really excited for you being uh, able to race in the ARCA West this season with High Point. And uh, before you go, do you have any other shout-outs that you want to make or to anybody? Uh, probably. I mean, I want to thank everybody that's helped me out. You know, I mean, that's like the biggest thing. I want to thank Derek Thorne, Donnie St. Hours. Um, Donnie really brought me up in this racing uh, to my to where I'm at now. You know, I mean, he's taught me so much. Um, I want to thank Tim Huddleston for giving me this opportunity to run Arca West this year, and uh, just to everybody that's helped me out in my whole racing career. Okay. Uh, Jake Bowman, uh, we'll definitely look forward to talking to you uh, somewhere down the road here. And uh, we're looking forward to watching you race uh, for the rest of the season uh, for the races that you'll be in. So uh, 
Good luck to you. The next uh, ARCA race for you is which race? Uh, April 22nd is at Kern County Raceway. Awesome, awesome. Okay, so Jake, uh, we'll call it a night tonight and uh, look forward to having you back uh, the next time. Yeah, thank you guys. I really appreciate for you having me on here. We enjoyed it as well, Jake, so thank you. Yeah, thanks for coming on, Jake. Thank you. All right, that is Jake Bowman. He is racing with High Point Racing this season in the number 55 in the ARCA West Series, as well as some pro-late and super-late model races uh, and Legends car, it sounds, legend cars as well, it sounds like so. Yes, and, and remember, he's not related to Alex Bowman. Alex. <laughs> it's B-O-L-L-M-A-N. <laughs> Bowman. Yeah. We were talking about that at the track. I was telling oh, Dan and I was telling Jake too. Yeah, I, I said I said we have Jake on. I said I said Sharon. Every time I I said because we talk a lot about Jake every week. You know, we always say something about him. You know, because of what he's doing in racing. I said and Sharon's always saying is that is that his brother or is he related to Alex Bowman? I go no, I go Bowman, not Bowman. <laughs> so well, it sounds neat. like you're saying Bowman on the phone. But, uh, yeah. yeah, that's that's really cool. I'm glad to see him racing this season, and I'll look forward to uh, the remainder of the season and, and what he's able to do with High Point Racing there in that number 55. Okay, uh, let's go ahead and move on to our NASCAR Cup Series. Kyle Larson uh, was able to get the win out at uh, Richmond Raceway in the Toyota Owners 400 this weekend. At age 30, driving the number 5, HendrickCars.com Chevrolet for Hendrick Motorsports. And it was the first win for Kevin Meandering as well. It was his 20th victory in 302 Cup Series races, his first victory in third top 10 finish this year, and the second victory in eighth top 10 finish in 17 races at Richmond Raceway. Josh Berry posting his second, uh, his posting second, and first top 10 finish in one race at Richmond, and his second top 10 finish this year. Really impressed with his run this weekend. Ross Chastain finished third, uh, and it was his second top 10 finish in nine races at Richmond Raceway. Ty Gibbs finished ninth and was the highest finishing rookie of the race. Uh, he was able to grab, Kyle Larson was able to grab his first win of this season at Richmond Raceway with the benefit of a final, a fast final pit stop. Kyle Larson was able to put his number five uh, Chevrolet out front at Richmond and then hold off the rest of the field for the last 25 laps. Uh, and again, his first victory this year. The 30 year old Californian had to outduel his Hendrick Motorsports teammate, Josh Berry, on a pair of wheel restarts in the closing laps to secure the win at the first short track event of the season, a quarter mile uh, Richmond Oval. Uh, Barry driving the number nine Hendrick Chevrolet for the injured Chase Elliott, finished runner up, catching, capturing his best finish in the Cup Series, and uh, he finished 1.535 seconds behind Larson. Uh, he was followed by Chastain, Christopher Bell, Kevin Harvick, Michael McDowell, Joey Logano, uh, Alex Bowman, 
Ty Gibbs and Brad Keselowski to round out the top ten. Larson led 93 laps on the day. He took the lead during pit stops with 25 laps to go and held on for the margin of victory uh, that we talked about a few minutes ago. Stage one was won by Byron. Stage two by Denny Hamlin. There were 22 lead changes among 11 drivers and eight cautions for 54 yellow flag laps. The average speed of the race was 91.085 miles per hour. Your thoughts on the top ten here, Sal? Yeah, it looks like the uh, Hendrick Motorsports is all going to grab themselves a a win this year. See if Josh Berry can grab one for... um, for uh, Chase for Chase Taylor in the number nine car, yeah. But um, you know Ross Chastain continues you know, to you know be a factor, you know, in the Cup Series again this season. You know, for with that third place finish, Kevin Harvick is having another another good season on his this being yeah. you know his uh, his, his farewell season. Um, you know, then you go up and down Mike McDowell with the sixth place finish. Um, and let me see, you go down to tenth place there and Brad Brad Keselowski uh you know, continues his his uh his um stream of good finishes. A friend of mine was telling me that he puts a hundred dollars a week on Ty Gibbs. Oh wow. To win. Yeah, he says because if he wins a race it pays something like, I don't know, fifteen thousand or ten thousand Five thousand. I think it's five thousand. Yep. Yeah, it's it's big. So he puts. He thinks he's going to win a race this year, and I said he, he he very well could. But shoot, the way Josh Berry is going, it's like Josh Berry might end up picking one up himself too. Um, yep, I think so. You know, yeah, but um, you know, congrats to Kyle Larson you know, on the win, and you know, like I said, you know, Ross Chastain. Um, uh, looks like Chris Christopher Bell continues to carry the banner for um, uh, Joe Gibbs Racing. You know. And, uh, you know, Mark Truex, you know, had that 11th um, place finish. So, uh, yeah. you know, and what happened to Kyle Busch, he started off, well, it's still early in the season, you know, 14th place finish. But he started yeah, out, you know, on a tear, you know. You know, he, he's, he was going to win all these races. And um looks like Danny Hamlin is still stepping on us, made some more comments <laughs> this week. You know, and, and you know, if, if he had a finish, if he had a finish to back it up, but you know the guy doesn't have nothing over anything uh, anymore. He he can't even back up his own. Yeah, he needs to spend time just uh, on worried about what he's doing on the racetrack instead of what everybody else is doing. I was so upset with him about JJ uh, Yaley, uh, and yeah. today he said on his podcast it was just a blunder on his part. He didn't do it intentionally. Uh, but wow, it's always a blunder. Yeah. Every yeah. week it's a blunder, you know, and I mean. I'll be glad when we're you know, not talking about Denny Hamlin anymore. Oh, you know, the thing is he's a team owner too, you know. It's not so much he's a driver, yeah. but he's a team owner, you know, and, and and he's got a, one of his drivers is like one of the most hated guys in NASCAR, you know, so you would think you would try to bring some kind of love to the team. Yeah. You know, but, um, oh, well, well that's see what happens. I know Michael Jordan, though, has a whole different way of doing business, and I often wonder what he thinks about all of that. But uh, I digress. Uh, Let me go on to say that uh, there was only one accident in this race. Um, 
uh, that took a, a driver out of the race, and that was Noah Gregson uh, had an accident on lap 303, uh, so his day was cut short. Uh, several drivers did finish a lap or more down, starting with Austin Dillon, Ryan Blaney, J.J. Allmendinger, Austin Sindrick, Justin Haley. They all finished just one lap uh, down. And then Chris Buescher, Eric Jones, Ty Dillon finished two laps down. Finishing four laps down was Anthony Alfredo, Cody Ware, five laps down, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., multiple laps down, and J.J. Yaley uh, finished uh, multiple laps down. So um, the margin of victory, as we mentioned, was 1.535 seconds between uh, Kyle Larson and uh, Josh Berry, but really impressed with what Josh Berry did in this race. Uh, and I can't wait to see. They say he's going to be in that number nine for the rest of the season. Um, let's go ahead and hit the points report here. Okay. Let's see. Cup Series points are as... Alex Bowman is still leading the points. Still up in yep. first. Ross. Ross Chastain in second. Oh, that's right. They all got their points back this week. So now yep. we're going to see a change of a change in points. So yep. Alex Bowman is back on top. Ross Chastain sitting in second. Christopher Bell holding on to that third spot. William Byron back up in the fourth spot after. Uh, I don't know what happened with that. With with what happened to the appeals board, but I. I don't think they know what they're doing either way. Neither here nor there. But William Byron got his points back and. Did make it did make much sense what they did, and Kevin Harvick sitting in fifth. Kyle Larson got his points back. He's back up in sixth. Joey Logano in seventh, and Kyle Busch um, gets the top eight. And then from there we get the next eight, which is Martin Truex Jr. in ninth, Brad Keselowski in tenth, still up there holding holding strong for his spot to uh, make the chase this year. Ryan Blaney in eleventh, uh, Denny Hamlin in twelfth. Tyler Reddick in 13th, Austin Sidrick 14th, Chris Buescher 15th, and the Daytona 500 winner, winner Ricky Stenhouse Jr. is uh, still dropping. He's, he's in 16th. 16th so, yeah, so he's he's got. I mean, he's already locked in. Um, mm-hmm. Would that be some? Would that be some? He just fell off the face of the earth and had that one win and did make the chase. <laughs> Oh my well, God! Well, this year NASCAR took away the uh, top 30. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So either anywhere. way he's in, and, so yeah. Yeah, either way he's in, so uh, that's a good thing. Uh, only four points between Ross Chastain and Alex Bowman, so it's tied up at the top. And then uh, Kyle Larson and Joey Logano are actually tied for that sixth uh, and seventh spot, as are Ryan Blaney and Denny Hamlin. Uh, for that 11 and 12 spot, Tyler Reddick is just one point behind them. So we've got some tight points battles uh, throughout here. And then just behind Ricky Stenhouse Jr. are uh, Daniel Suarez and Michael McDowell, along with Corey LaJoy. Corey LaJoy's had some really good runs this year. Yeah, he has. He has had some good runs. And look at Ty Gibbs, the highest, the highest rookie sitting in 20th spot. Um, Noah Gregson at 29th, so that's going to be one heck of a uh, 
of a rookie of the year battle, no one needs to get on the horse and start <laughs> getting because he's uh he's he a will. long way down. He will. He'll get on there, but uh, we'll give him some time to to make that happen. Are you going to be at a racetrack this weekend, Jay? Uh, Sal? Yeah, I'll be back at Urndale. Oh, be back at Urndale again this weekend. Okay. Who's racing at Irwindale this weekend? Okay. We'll have junior late models, and uh, we'll have uh, our pro lates, and we'll have our legends. I was hoping Jake would have ran the legend this week because they're going to do a roval at Irondale for the legend, so that's going to be really interesting. Hmm, they're very cool. They're expecting to take for it, yeah. Yeah, so if you guys get a chance, go to Low Budget TV and check out uh, check out the roval. Interesting. Well, thanks for the two guests that came on tonight, both uh, Sean uh, Hingarani and uh, Jake Bowman. Uh, we enjoyed talking with both of those fellows. And uh, big congratulations to Sean uh, Hingarani for his ARCA win out there in the West. And, uh, again, I can't wait to see what he does with Venturini Motorsports this season. He's He's got a great team behind him. And uh, oh, yeah. I know Venturini is primed to really make some good things happen this season. Oh, yes, they are. So we'll just keep following week after week and see, and see how everything plays out. Exactly right. Well, Sal, I look forward to talking to you again next Monday night at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time right here on Banfor Racing Radio. Okay, well, here, uh, everybody have a good weekend, and uh, have a good evening. We'll talk to, talk to you next week. Okay, good night. Okay, bye. Okay, good night, Sal. All right, we're at the top of the hour, which means it is time for our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off with the Fan for Racing crew. And, wow, they're all here. So let me kind of start bringing everybody into the queue here. Uh, let's start with uh, let's start with Mike Orzel tonight. Welcome to the show, Mike. Hey, good evening. Glad to be back after missing last Thursday. All right, it's good to have you back. And also joining us is Jay Huseman. Welcome to the show, Jay. Thank you, Sharon. Happy to be here as well. And happy to have Mike back. We missed you. <laughs> Believe it or not. And then also joining us is Andy Lasky. Welcome to the show, Andy. Hey, how's it going, guys? It's going great. And we're happy to have you here again tonight as well. Andy, why don't you kick us off with the first hot topic? Yeah, actually, um, Given the fact that I just watched the truck race on the DVR, uh, something that Mike had posted um, about the the wreck specifically involving, I don't know if you've all seen it or not, but the wreck that involved a five truck in which he, he got loose and hit the wall, and then uh, literally at least 10 seconds or so after he, the caution came out and, and he was spun, uh, a couple trucks slammed in there at full speed. So kind of curious what everyone thinks about that. That was Certainly a pretty uh, pretty bad wreck. You're talking about the wreck with Christian Eckes, right? Uh, no, this was this was the five truck, and then the fourteen of um, Trey Hutchins and um, the twenty truck of Matt. Dean Tho- oh yeah, yeah, Dean yeah, Thompson yeah. is the one that got hit. Who? 
Dean Thompson is the one that got hit. Uh, yeah. Hit the You're wall and then got Thompson hit. hit. Okay. And yep. Yeah. Okay. I got you now. Okay, Mike, your thoughts. This was absolutely unacceptable. 100% unacceptable. It was one of the worst cases of ARCA breaks I've seen in a long time. And if you're not familiar with the phrase ARCA breaks, it refers to the phenomenon that, that ARCA series is really famous for, where norm, when, when there's a wreck that happens, you don't use the brake pedal to slow your car down. You actually use the impact with the car that has already spun out to slow your own car down. And it's kind of a tongue-in-cheek reference to the uh, ARCA drivers who would, who would not lift and just drive straight on into a crash and end up hitting a stopped car really, really hard, exactly like what happened to Dean Thompson this weekend. And he ended up having to go to the hospital to get some more testing work done. Fortunately, he's okay. He was really shaken up at the racetrack. Um, it sounds like he doesn't have any long-term injury from that wreck, but it was a really, really scary situation. And like, uh, like Andy brought up, it was a solid 10 seconds. The some of the replays, you can see the caution lights come on. And if you start counting, it is 10 seconds until Matt Mills hits Dean Thompson's truck at nearly full speed. Unacceptable. I, I, I know I've said it many, many times. Unacceptable. If you've ever done any sort of an amateur racing school, it doesn't matter what kind of racing, where it was, what track it was, what discipline. The first thing that they do is they point out the different signaling features, whether it's flag stands around the racetrack, lights, et cetera, and they force your attention onto there. Every instructor I've ever ridden with on a racetrack, the first lap or two, they have me point out every single flag stand that I'm driving by because they want to make sure that that's in my attention span. And if you as a professional race car driver do not have those signaling systems in your attention span, you do not belong on a racetrack because you are a hazard to your fellow competitors. And I think that is what, uh, what we saw this weekend. Fortunately, Dean Thompson didn't get seriously injured. But it does highlight another major problem that NASCAR has with the standalone truck series races. They made a big deal about not doing competitive pit stops because the pit crews that normally uh, do the pit stops on combined weekends, they're the same guys. They'll, they'll do truck, Xfinity, and the Cup Series, more or less the same pit crews for all three series. Well, those guys don't travel with the truck series. They'll tend to stay with the Cups. So that's why the truck series has gone to non-competitive pit stops. What has gotten less attention, though, is the fact that the spotters do the same thing. So the vast majority of spotters for the truck series are also full-time Xfinity and Cup Series spotters. Only one spotter, I believe the spotter from the number 88 truck of Matt Crafton, was the only spotter there in Texas this weekend who was a full-time spotter for those teams. Something needs to be done, A, to address drivers not paying attention and not heeding the signaling systems on the racetrack, but two, make sure that spotters are effectively trained and able to communicate information to their drivers to prevent a scary situation like this from ever happening again. Okay, Jay, your thoughts? Well, it's an unfortunate situation to start with. It was a hard hit, um, but I think uh, I think Mike is zeroing in on one factor. I think there were about five to six factors, and I don't know that there's one fixed action. We don't have the radio communication as to far as far as what was transmitted from the spotter, whether the driver heard it, all of that. Second off, there was smoke um, when he spun got spun around. There was smoke. Limited visibility. There was also dirt on the track. If you watch the replay, it appeared that 
and I want to say it was uh, Trevor, what did you say the 14 was, or which was the first one to hit him, um, was going to go low, looked like maybe the truck was going to come back down and that another truck had gone by. He thought that was going to be too close, tried to go back up and couldn't turn because he was in a little bit of dirt and thus hit the truck. So I don't think it's a matter of the driver having no experience. The spotter deal, they spot the spotters they had are qualified spotters. They spot for IndyCar. Uh, that's what a lot of them were that were subbing in. Um, again, we don't have the radio communication. If it wasn't passed or if he said, hey, I can't see, you know, you got to do what you got to do. I can't see. The driver said, okay, I can't see. We don't know that. Uh, or I didn't hear any interviews or um, statements as far as that, as far as if it wasn't conveyed or whatever. Do I think it needs to be looked at and addressed to make sure that we can, it doesn't happen again, anything that can be done differently? Absolutely. You always want to look at that. And if it was a case of dude just didn't break, then you address it like that. I don't think you can go full-born attack a driver or a series for not having that. Second off, this is a learning experience for some of these drivers. Um, I'm not going to try and get into how old each one is, how many races they've run, what they've learned, but it is a learning experience for them. Yeah, I have to agree, Jay. Uh, I, one thing about the truck series is it's the first step into the NASCAR's national top three. And as we've seen over the last several years, these drivers are getting younger and younger all the time. Uh, they do have to be approved by NASCAR to be able to race on the track, plus they have to be of a certain age before they race on uh, in NASCAR's top series. Um, but one thing I learned a long, long time ago with racing when I first started watching it is it's real easy to armchair it from home. But uh, unless you're in one of those cars, sometimes, and you know, getting the radio transmission, not getting it, the smoke, all of those things factor into the situation. And, and there's a lot of reasons for why something like that can happen. It's a very, very unfortunate situation for Dean Thompson, absolutely. Uh, nobody, nobody, and none of those drivers want to see that happen. Uh, to Jay, to uh, Dean Thompson or any other driver on the track. Nobody's doing that on purpose. Uh, but there is a learning curve that is, is a part of this, that factors into this. Um, and we don't know what the spotter saw. The spotter might not have been able to give him the heads up either uh, with the smoke that was there. Uh, he could, the spotter can tell him, yeah, there's smoke, uh, but he's not going to be able to tell him, go high, go low, or which direction to go if you can't see the car that's on the track. So um, I think there's a lot more that goes into this uh, than what meets the eye when we're watching on TV. So I guess I'm a little bit – I'm, I'm not condoning it by any stretch of the imagination. I get it. When the yellow comes out, you slow down. You put the brake on. But when you're coming around one of those curves – I will tell you, the vision is very limited in those cars, and especially if there's smoke, you really don't know what's up ahead, uh, and you don't know if the driver's thinking that he's trying to catch up with the rest of the field or what's going through that driver's mind, 
when he's coming around that corner. He's not expecting to see a car or a truck sitting in the corner of that turn. So, um, again, I don't think anybody did it on purpose. I don't think anybody was being egregious or anything like that. I do think that um, uh, if it was something that uh, I'm sure NASCAR is sitting down with everybody, uh, to, and I'm sure the teams are sitting down with each of the teams and saying, how can we avoid this for the future? It's one of those things that happens at a track now and then, and uh, unfortunately somebody, he could have gotten hurt very, very badly. So I, I can appreciate where you're coming from, but at the same time, uh, there's just so many factors that go into this that it's hard for us to really make a judgment call on it unless we're sitting behind the wheel of the car. Andy? Yeah, I think, you know, I see your point, Sharon. You know, there is obviously more to the story that we need to probably better understand. Um, But I I think what bothered me the most is that, you know, Dean had to go to the hospital and very very easily could have been hurt and and possibly had his career ended because of um, what I, I quite frankly feel is a severe lack of situational awareness, whether it was the spotter or the driver, you know, you guys bring up the point of, you know, they couldn't see, but why would you, why would you go full speed through a cloud of smoke? If you can't see, you get, you need to try to slow down. And that, whether that's the spotter that didn't provide the information or the driver just chose to go through a smoke cloud at full speed. That's the thing you got to understand. When you look at the replay, those guys piled in there going almost full speed. No, I don't know what the telemetry is. I don't know if they hit the brakes. I don't know if they let off the gas. The, the point is they were not making much of an attempt to slow down when the caution came out. They were going pretty fast. So in my mind, you know, was it the spotter that didn't provide the information in time? You know, in that case, I can't put the blame on the driver. I have to put the blame on the spotter. Or did the driver not hear what the spotter said? I don't know. Another thing to consider here, too, is that most of these teams, all but one, in fact, were using spotters they don't normally use because everybody else was in Richmond. So, you know, if you're not used to who's in the year as the spotter, you know, maybe the phraseology was different. Maybe, you know, something was said that wasn't understood um, interestingly enough, it wasn't just one truck, it was two trucks. The 20 and the 14 both piled in there pretty quickly. But nonetheless, you know, you have to think that maybe there was some miscommunication there. Maybe they weren't on the same page. I'm not sure, but I guess it's just a bit bothersome to me because somebody could have been hurt here um, because of a lack of situational awareness. I don't know if it was the driver or spotter or what, but at the end of the day, they both piled in there way, way faster than they should have been. Um, for the caution having been out for not just a couple seconds, but close to 10 seconds, as Mike pointed out already. So, you know, yes, it's always easy for us to point fingers, as as we always do, but that's the the beauty of debating these things on hot topics. But I just, in my mind, feel like, you know, those guys were going way too fast for that point um, after the caution having already come out. So um, I'll talk about... I guess what there could be done to fix that on, on the second time through, but certainly a, a frightening situation. I'm glad Dean's okay. That that could have been a lot worse yeah. than it was, but it was certainly a pretty bad wreck that probably shouldn't have happened. Agreed. 
uh, Mike, your follow-up. One, two, three, four, five. Okay, Mike, you six. don't have to make that point. We yeah. got it. Okay. My, my <laughs> point here, 10 seconds is a long time. Even at 160 miles an hour, whatever they're doing on the track, 10 seconds is a very long time. And that's not from when Dee Thompson first broke loose. That's from the one the yellow caution lights, which are positioned all the way around the racetrack at about 100-yard intervals. That's when those yellow caution lights came on. Those drivers had no less than 10 seconds to slow down. They didn't. And they weren't in the smoke, and they don't necessarily need a spotter to see the yellow lights. Like Andy said, awareness is so poor that you can't see those flashing yellow lights that are positioned all the way around the racetrack and should be visible from pretty much anywhere where you're at on the racetrack, there's a serious question about whether you belong on the racetrack in the first place. I'm not saying that NASCAR needs to suspend these guys indefinitely or anything, but there absolutely needs to be some remedial training about what they need to pay attention to and what they respond to. Even if the spotter didn't say a single thing to them, the yellow light should mean check up. And if you can't see where you're going and where, what you might hit where you, when you get there, you need to check up some more until you're pretty sure that you're not going to hit somebody who, well, think about last year to, at Talladega, Jordan Anderson, he was halfway out of his truck by the time the yellow lights kicked on because his truck was on fire. So if Dean Thompson was in a similar situation where his truck was on fire and he was trying to get out, those 10 seconds give him a lot of time to get out of that truck and be in a really, really vulnerable position. Fortunately, we're not, we didn't end up having that this past weekend at Texas, but we really need to reiterate, especially like you said, Sharon, these inexperienced younger guys. And it's not like Matt Mills is brand new. He's been racing in various levels of truck and Xfinity for quite a few years at this point. He's not brand new. Um, but there needs to be more emphasis to these guys of you don't just go and gun it and hope for the best when, when you can't see where you're going, especially when the yellow lights are already on. You absolutely need to check up because you could save somebody a trip to the hospital or worse. Jay? Well, as, as we were talking, I was kind of thinking of when we were talking about the, the reaction and what you do, um, even seeing it. I'm going to look at trying to avoid a deer. I see the deer. Whether I stomp on the brakes, get on the gas, go left, go right, try and go behind them, try and go in front of them. I mean, there are so many different things you don't know. Uh, again, it appeared as though everybody else was going low and fast enough to get up and around it before he came further down the track, and that's kind of what um, that next driver uh, was trying to do. Apparently, it looked like, and, and they kind of led you down this path on the broadcast, but that maybe didn't feel there was enough room, tried to go up, now you're in the grip or whatever, just the way it developed. I I'm totally agree. Everybody would sit down and talk about it. Hey, what could have happened better? Um, you know, reaction time, communication-wise, whatever it be. But I just think there's too many factors to say, oh, it was this one thing, um, that, hey, this driver just wasn't paying attention or this spotter wasn't paying attention or didn't communicate. I don't think it's one thing. I, I really don't. Um, but certainly do want to address to attempt to minimize anything like that from happening again. And I think back to the one I recall is what I would call the worst was happened to be in the truck series, Deborah Renshaw, um, eight to 10 years ago. Cause that was at Daytona. You're talking a mile and a half 
Um, and I think that one was a absolute no communication issue. I, it happens for whatever reason. We want to try and minimize it, but I don't think you can, like I said, blame one driver or suspend that driver. I, that just blows my mind at, at this point. But I, I don't think it was just one thing. Yeah, again, I kind of agree with that. I, I, I hear what everybody is saying, and I agree with what everybody is saying. Um, but there are so many things that can happen in a 10-minute, 10-second time frame. Um, and there are a lot of things that, that don't happen during that 10-second time frame, and obviously that's what happened in this case. If there are other drivers that are going down below, uh, they're probably being told to do that. If these drivers didn't go down below or try to go around it in some way, that kind of tells me that they weren't being told to go down low uh, to avoid an accident. So I, I think that there are a lot of factors to take into consideration here. And by all means, yes, you've got to sit down with the parties involved and talk this thing through so that we don't have that happen again. Um, uh, thankfully, as everybody's already pointed out, Dean wasn't uh, seriously hurt because it certainly held the potential for that to happen. Uh, but I have confidence that that's exactly what those teams are doing, uh, is sitting down, because you never know when it could be your driver sitting out there in a the cloud of smoke and somebody comes around that corner at full speed. So uh, they want to get that corrected as as soon as they possibly can. Uh, do I think it merits um, a penalty or anything like that? No, I don't think so. I think that I think that uh, some serious conversations need to take place, uh, but I have confidence that those conversations are taking place. Uh, I think part of the thing here too uh, is the uniqueness of the fact that this was a standalone event. Uh, for all of the reasons that we brought up earlier. Um, and I know that NASCAR tries to minimize those types of things happening. Uh, they went to the, uh, you know, uh, no live pit stops uh, for um, this race. And uh, I think that was a good decision uh, for all of the reasons uh, of the inexperience and different people that are, are uh, in those uh Cruise, um, and and you've got different people who aren't doing spotting necessarily, uh, and, and with the truck series or with an inexperienced driver or whatever. Um, that there's a lot of factors that go into it. So I do think a serious conversation is necessary. I'm sure that those teams are doing that. And uh, let's pray that nothing like that happens again. Uh, unfortunately, though, as as much as we never want that to happen again, uh, for all the things that we just brought up, all the different factors that can play into that, something's going to happen again. Uh, you, you, we just got to have the conversation to try to minimize that from happening again. Andy? Yeah, I mean, everyone brings up really good points. Um, you know, I, I think I kind of look back at, at a situation that happened a long time ago, which triggered, you know, the fact that when the caution comes out, the field's frozen and we don't race back to the line. And that was uh, Dale Jarrett wrecked at New Hampshire back in 03, and cars were going by him, you know, at race speed. And, you know, that 
that was kind of that catalyst for change, right? So I guess um, you guys bring up really good points about, you know, avoiding an obstacle, right? You know, in, in Jay's case, he talks about the deer. You can you can hit the brakes, you can maintain speed, you can go left, you can go right. Yeah, in that case, that's that's why a lot of times these accidents are unavoidable because you try to do the right thing to avoid a vehicle. I mean, obviously, you know, in the case of, of Trey Hutchins and Matt Mills, they, certainly they don't want to get in a wreck, you know, especially Trey Hutchins. That's his own truck. He, he doesn't want to tear that up. So, you know, these guys, the, the goal certainly is, is to not get involved in a wreck, right? So I, I can understand why, you know, you try to do the right thing to protect yourself and Sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. Um, I think for me, the single biggest issue that I had with it was, was speed. I mean, those guys were just going way too fast, yeah. you know, for that point after which the caution had already come out. They were going, it looked to me, I mean, it may not have been, but it looked like they were going almost race speed. So it's a matter of they didn't really slow down as much as they, they could have by that point in time, which is why the wreck was so severe. If they had gone into that, you know, accident scene at 70 to 80 miles an hour, it would have been far less impactful than it was going almost full speed. So to me, that's the issue is that they were just plain going way too fast at that point in time. As we've already pointed out, you know, the impact with, with all of those trucks was, was way after the caution was displayed. So how do you fix that? I, I think the point's already been made that maybe just sitting down and talking about it, you know, the drivers involved, you know, the thing to look at here too is, is Matt Mills and Trey Hutchins are both part-time. They don't race a lot, you know, they don't race a full season, you know, so, so maybe, you know, the spotters and the drivers can kind of meet with NASCAR, sit down and, and just kind of go over it and talk about it. And, you know, maybe kind of get into the head of the driver in the team and see like where they're at. You know, I, I agree. You don't need to suspend people every time there's an accident. It's an accident for a reason. It wasn't intended to be on purpose, but, you know, when something like that happens where, you know, you look at it and say maybe those guys could have slowed down a few seconds earlier to prevent such a poor or a big accident, you know, maybe you can look at it and analyze it and say, you know, what can we do better next time? And I think that that's why teams have competition meetings. That's why NASCAR sits down and meets with the drivers. They have drivers meetings every week. It, it's all, you know, learning and trying to get better and, and trying to, you know, figure out how things can be improved upon. And I think this is just a case of, you know, maybe looking at replays and figuring out how do we prevent something like this happening down the road. And, and that's really all that would need to be done is just maybe some re-education. Yeah, because you're right, Andy. I don't think any of those drivers uh, wanted to have that accident. And and the fact that they were going full speed the way they were, should they have been going a little bit slower with the caution light out? Probably. Uh, but it also leads me to think that there was no communication there with them. Um, you know, but we really don't know all the facts either, so that's part of this as well. Mike, let's go ahead and uh, go on to our next hot topic. Sure. Uh, I'm going to throw kind of a wide net here and probably catch two of the topics off of our board with it. But uh, James Hinchcliffe on his podcast has some interesting comments about NASCAR 
and there are the current debate in NASCAR about lack of respect from drivers. Hinch kind of attributed it to almost a generational thing where drivers are getting into the sport at a younger age and maybe not paying their dues so much. And what do you know, this weekend, Mr. Drivers Need to Race with More Respect decided he was going to wreck J.J. Yaley on, like, lap 30 into the race this weekend. Of course, I'm talking about Denny Hamlin. And he was actually – he was smart enough to say that he didn't do it intentionally, so he didn't go on his podcast and brag about it this weekend. But another instance of, I have a fast car, you're in my way, I'm not going to try and pass you, I'm just going to dump you to add fuel to the uh, the respect debate. Okay, Jay, your thoughts? Uh, you might want to make your announcement, maybe? Sorry. Are we there yep. already? I agree. Oh, my gosh. Thank you very much. Uh, it's that time of the night that uh, we announce, especially to our first-time listeners, uh, that we are going to go off the air at exactly 10.30 p.m. Eastern time here tonight. Um, but you're going to hear us continuing our conversation beyond that time. Just know that we are recording the rest of that conversation, and it will be part of our bonus overtime material on our podcast. What I do is when we finish our conversation here tonight, I'll go out on Twitter as well as Facebook and let everyone know that the podcast is available. And at that point, you can go to the player at com and just fast forward to that two-hour mark to hear the rest of the conversation. And you can do that at your convenience, by the way. It doesn't have to be tonight. Uh, you can fast forward tomorrow. Uh, whenever it's most convenient for you, just fast forward to that two-hour mark to hear the rest of the conversation. I just didn't want anybody to be caught off guard and not know what's going on, uh, why we're still talking when we go off the air, etc. So uh, with that, um, we'll go ahead and go on to uh, Jay. And your comments. Well, it does occasionally happen. Michael and I were both thinking alike. Uh, in two cases, it was time to make that announcement. Second off, I'll easily tie these two. Could have been separate, but we can tie them together. The respect issue. I know that's been talked about a lot. And several of the drivers, I think Joey Logano is the one I heard the most from as far as my feelings is this again. There are so many factors. Uh, Mike put it up. The win and you're in. That the way the NASCAR point system and playoffs is set up um, is part of it. The strength of the new car. I think it was uh, Chase Briscoe and Ryan Blaney that talked about that last week. Um, uh, Sharon, correct me if I'm wrong. Well, it Chase Briscoe that said something about just putting the radiator out front uh, on the car. <laughs> well, who? Okay. It was so Ryan Blaney. There, Ryan Blaney said that last week on our yeah, Okay, our was meeting. it Blaney's? Okay. Yeah. There we go. Um, so they're aware of it, and they know it. So, again, and it goes back to if you don't do it, I think several of the broadcasters, you know, said it. If you don't make that move and take the hole or make that push, somebody's going to push you because they're going to. Um, the third is the generation with the younger drivers. Some of that I attribute to, it kind of got alluded to, these guys come in into um, top-notch teams that have seven, eight, ten cars ready for them to wreck if they want. And I'm not, I know that we've had some issues with that, but they are not out there with their own team working a full-time job, coming home, working on that car from 6 p.m. to midnight to 1 a.m. and having to put the time in. 
So I think that is a factor versus the drivers that grew up doing that. You wrecked the car, you fixed it, and you didn't run again until you fixed it and got it going again. The um, it was a fourth one. I was trying to think. Um, like I said, the, oh, the fact of the pressure, and I look at Joey Logano, Daniel Suarez, uh, Casey Atwood. If you don't win in your first year or two, you don't get the time to develop more. So that, that's a factor. Hey, if I'm not performing winning races within a year or two, I may not even be in the sport anymore. Some of them have up and disappeared. Some of them happen to fortunately get a different opportunity and a different ride. But that's got to be a factor. So, again, I don't think there's one thing you can point to and fix it. There's a lot of different factors that all bring it together. Okay. Oh, Andy, oh I'm sorry. Uh, the Denny, oh, wait, I'm real sorry. quick, the Denny Hamlin thing? Yeah, I forgot that was part, part of it. Um, that's just, that's one of those to me is Denny Hamlin style. It's a problem when somebody else does it. When I do it, oh, it was just a driver mistake. Well, how come nobody else is allowed to make mistakes then? I follow up on that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Andy. Yeah, it's the whole, I'll talk about the respect thing first. Um, I think that, um, you know, the point of it being a generational shift is, is probably spot on from the standpoint of it, when I first started watching, you know, you had veterans like Mark Martin, Jeff Burton, Rusty Wallace, and those guys, you know, who were more apt to, you know, let you go if you caught them early in the race, you know, or in just you know, race cleaner, you know, and I think that as we've seen the veterans retire, replaced by younger guys, we've seen that level of aggression become greater over the last, say, 10 to 15 years. And we've seen perhaps drivers come in that maybe didn't build or work on their own race cars and and maybe aren't used to fixing things and, you know, so I, it's, it's all about, you know, checkers or wreckers for some of these guys, you know, and it is funny to some degree to hear some of these, you know, who are now veterans talk about respect because, you know, when, when a lot of these drivers started out years ago, they were the aggressors and they were the ones tearing up equipment and they were the ones that maybe could have raced using a little bit more respect. I do think that, you know, we see perhaps more aggression now than we've ever seen. Um, The durability of the cup car, I think, does play into it. That's been brought up by several drivers in recent, you know, days. And, you know, I I think it's a bit wild and crazy out there right now, for sure. Um, You know, and we're seeing incidents happen that are preventable and, and shouldn't happen. Um, I think we may have talked about this on a, on a recent show though, about how it's really difficult to have that veteran mindset. Like, like we saw 20 years ago though, because if you, if you're willingly giving up spots and and trying to race clean or too nice, you're going to get run over and guys are going to take advantage of that. So it's really difficult, you know, to, to, to race with a lot of respect these days because if you do that, you, it, that's the difference between contending for a win or running 15th. And so I think it lends itself to forcing everybody to run as hard as they can and, and run aggressively. And, 
you know, it, it, unfortunately it will it will lend itself to on track incidents, and, and that's kind of where we're at. Um, you know, and you know, some of it too is you know Ross has the mindset of I'm not out here to make friends. I'm not here to be buddies with these guys. I'm out here to to race this car for Justin Marks and for my sponsors and try to win races. And he's not afraid to ruffle feathers along the way. Is he right all the time? No. But is he wrong to, to try to race hard and be aggressive doing so to try to win? He's not wrong in that either. So um, I think it is funny that, you know, <laughs> I saw some stuff just tonight about, you know, every single thing that happens these days is somehow Ross Chastain's fault. And I saw some pretty yeah. funny stuff on Twitter, actually. Um, and that's the mindset. I mean, I you have to laugh. I mean, Christopher Bell blatantly was the one that got into the 24 car. The one car was like six feet away from him, and he tried to blame Ross. So it's like, you know, every little thing that happens on the racetrack has either been Ross Chastain's or Chase Briscoe's fault lately. And Denny, Denny can't let Indianapolis go from two years ago. So he, you know, he's in. It's either Ross or Chase's fault these days, even if they're not at all remotely involved in it. But the, you know, those two have been pretty aggressive and made some, you know, moves they probably shouldn't have made over the last couple of years, and that's why they get the, you know, the flack that they get. But you know, it is kind of funny that the 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 cool thing to do in this day and age is to just blame those guys no matter what. But um, yeah, I don't know if the respect thing is going to get better or not. I'm not really sure. Um, you know, I I think that um, you know maybe maybe over time we'll see these guys settle down a bit. You know, especially um, you know if if the aggressor starts to to be on the receiving end of some of these incidents, maybe the point will get across. I don't know. With regards to Hamlin, yeah, he can say it wasn't intentional, but uh, I don't know. He kind of went in there and, you know, he's, he's one, I think, that said last week that the driver is in control of their car, right? Well, mm-hmm. if that's the case, then he did an extremely poor job of controlling his car because he – um, he went in there and, and slammed into the back of the 15 car, and it was pretty blatant, at least to me. So, um, Denny's Denny. I, it's pretty clear if you read the race day chats what my opinion of him is. I'm not surprised he did that. What he says and what he does are very much two different things. And um, Denny's Denny. What else can you say? Yeah. Um, I guess I'll start with Denny Hamlin to make this transition. Um Denny Hamlin is all about, uh, he's he's like the little kid who's not getting enough attention, so he's got to do something to kind of create attention to himself, to keep himself relevant. If you look at his season, he hasn't had that great of a season. Um, and there's a reason why, because he's so focused on, on marketing or whatever it is he's trying to do by calling attention to himself uh, that he's not doing what he should be doing inside of his race car. And and that's a problem. Uh, I've often wondered, and matter of fact, I brought this up earlier, uh, Michael Jordan is his team partner. They've been friends for a long time. But I know Michael Jordan. I followed the Bulls way back when. And Michael Jordan is the kind of guy that gets the most out of people. He knows how to lead people and how to motivate people. I don't get a sense that Denny Hamlin uh has that same way of good doing business and and i've often thought what michael jordan thinks of what he sees from denny hamlin and and all the stuff that he says and 
does. Um, I, I really, I, I really think he's a bad uh, look for the sport. <laughs> Honestly, I, I don't care for him. Uh, I'll be glad when we can have a week where we're not talking about what Denny Hamlin said or did, uh, because I, I, quite frankly, I'm, I'm kind of sick of him at this point. Um, and uh, if he thinks he's he's uh, given the sport a good look, it's it's just not there as far as I'm concerned. And I don't think he should be somebody who is representing the other drivers or the sport or anything else for that matter. Um, but uh, uh, I think that the hit on J.J. Uh, Yaley, uh, whether it was an accident or whether he did it purposely, it was it was something that should have never happened from a professional race car driver. And if Denny Hamlin were half as good as he thinks he is, that should have that would have never happened. You don't make blunders like that as um, a professional race car driver who's been racing for the number of years that Denny Hamlin has. And um, uh, I, I just think that. Uh, <laughs> it, ridiculous it's getting more and more ridiculous every week as far as i'm concerned um with regard to the younger drivers coming into the sport and you know these are the people who grew up on video games uh who have no accountability for what happens in the video game because you just hit the reset button and you go racing again um these are the drivers, the veteran drivers that we've seen come up through this sport over the years are drivers that worked on their cars, and they knew the value of that car. They knew the kind of money that went into that car. They knew the kind of time that went into that car to build it, and they took care of the car when it was on the track because they knew that they'd have to fix it when they got home. Um, those days seem to be gone. We don't have drivers that are really, uh, as many drivers, let me put it that way, that are really involved in what goes into the car. Uh, and, and I think, you know, the drivers that are most successful are the drivers that can um, look at their car or feel in their car what's going on and be able to communicate that to their crew chief so that the crew chief can make the changes that are needed for the car. The drivers that are coming up today uh, don't have that same kind of experience uh, of actually knowing their car. Um, they, they don't have to worry about the cost of repairing that car or replacing that car or any of that. Um, this car is a little more durable. That's been brought up. The fact that it can take a lot more beating and banging. Um, but I I hate to think that we get to a point that somebody does get seriously injured at some point uh, before we kind of wake up and say there's got to be a better way to do this. I, I do think that there's got to be a better way to do this. I think about some of the drivers that have gotten out of the car and and said, I'm sorry about so-and-so getting wrecked, but I had to do it if I was going to win this race. It's the only way I was going to win the race. Um that's the mentality that we have now. Uh, it doesn't matter who's in that car. It doesn't matter that I wrecked the car. It doesn't matter to me how much it costs to replace that car. It doesn't matter any of that anymore. Um, uh, 
I, that's what I have to do in order to win a race. And and somebody brought up if 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 because so many of the drivers are doing it now, the ones that are taking care of the car, the ones that are driving with respect, uh, are kind of put in a no-win situation because they either have to join in and do the same thing, or they're going to get run over. So it, it's it's personally think it's a good look for the sport, but it. it it's it is what we have become, uh, and at some point NASCAR has to decide if they want to be the bumper car series or if they want to be a series that's an elite premier organization that features the skills and the talents of the driver. And um, sometimes we see that, and it's fun to watch those races. It really is. I love those kind of races. I I don't love the bumper cars, and I don't love the uh, I gotta knock this guy out of the way if I'm gonna win a race. Attitude, but that's me personally. <laughs> uh, I understand why it is the way it is. I, I just wish NASCAR would make up their mind what kind of a series they want to be. Mike, this may come as a surprise, but I'm gonna go kind of contrarian here uh, from the opinion y'all have a little bit. As far as the generational bit with uh, the new drivers, I don't buy it. I don't buy it, not one bit. All that, it sounds like old men shaking their fists complaining about kids these days. I wrote an article about this a little bit over a year ago, and it's the same thing that we see every generational change. The guys making the most noise right now, Kyle Busch, Denny Hamlin, Brad Keselowski, well, you remember back 10, 15 years ago, it was Jeff Gordon, Tony Stewart, and and, uh, Risky Wallace saying, oh, well, Keselowski and Kyle Busch and, and Brad Keselowski, uh, 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 Denny Hamlin, these kids, they drive with no respect. And then I bet you go another 10 or 15 years back and you get Dale Sr., Harry Gant, and Ken Schrader saying the same thing about Jeff Gordon, Davey Allison. You, you get what I'm saying. So the whole kids these days don't drive with respect. I don't buy it. And I, don't, I don't really think it's a big part of it. I will say, though, there's a couple systemic things, especially with the Gen 7 car, that have led to the situation that we're in right now. You guys have hit extensively on the durability of the car. The car can take a beating. You can shove the nose in there or bang against the door, and you're most likely not going to cut a tire down. Unless you bend a tow link or some other suspension component, you're likely going to get out of there without hurting your car. So you can, you can cause more contact. You could wreck somebody's day and shove them out of the way without too much consequence to you, and most drivers know that and they're taking advantage of it. The other thing with the Gen 7 car, though, is we've talked a lot about the parity in terms of a lot of other guys having an opportunity to win races. We saw something like 18 different winners in the 2022 season. 2023 is off to a little bit slower start in terms of the number of different winners, but the parity is still there. The, the time between the fastest car on the racetrack and the slowest car on the racetrack is a lot closer to what it used to be. The top teams are still the top teams, Hendrick Motorsports, Joe Gibbs Racing, et cetera, but the difference between the really fast teams and the really slow teams is much, much narrower. And what that means is there's not a lot of room to give up track position to come and get it. Back in the day, you could say, yeah, I'm going to let you go. I'm going to, I, I know I've got a faster car than you. I'll get you later. Well, 
Now you don't have that faster car. Your car, driven as fast as you possibly can, at the best is maybe a couple tenths faster than the other guy. You're not going to make up 10 or 15 spots in the last 20 laps of the race with a car that's only a couple tenths faster than everybody else. It's not going to happen. So what that does is it puts drivers in the position where they have to be very aggressively defending the track position that they have or aggressively pursuing the track position that they need. And I really hate being in the position to defend Denny Hamlin, and it's going to sound like I'm defending him. Make no mistake, I don't like Denny Hamlin, and I don't like what he did this weekend, but at the same time, I can kind of understand. Yes, the 11 car is most likely much faster than the 15, relatively speaking. J.J. Yelly was probably not going to win the race. Denny Hamlin had a car that was potentially capable of doing it. But even that early in the race, you, when you have a car that fast, you still can't afford to give up that track position. If he had run behind the 15 for a few more laps, that is more ground that he's losing to the leaders. That's more track position he's not going to be able to gain, and it's more likelihood of him being able to be put a lap down. That's the concern that these guys have where they can't afford to lose the track position. Any impediment to them getting that track position back, in this case, J.J. Yaley, was unacceptable. He had to go, and he had to go right now, because the 11 car needed that track position. I don't like it, but that's kind of the situation that they're in. And it's because of the, the, the points format, the way it is. You have to win to advance. Even in the regular season, every single race, every single point matters. And they say it repeatedly during every TV broadcast because it's true. You can't lose that track position because you need those points. The, the regular season points and the playoff points, you need to win the races or else your season could be over by June you will really, uh, realistically be not in a position where you can win a championship as soon as June if you don't get those positions and get that track position at the races that are happening right now, March, April, and May. So that's why these guys race as hard as they do every single race. Sometimes it's good and it puts on a good show for the fans, but the dark side of that is the kind of ugly racing that we saw at the end of the race at Circuit of the Americas as well as the example with Denny Hamlin this weekend at Richmond. What's the solution? I wrote an article about that, too. I don't know that there's a good one, so we'll see. I don't know. Okay, James, your follow-up? Well, my follow-up, i got to go off of uh, what two good points that I feel Mike and Sharon meant. Uh, first one with Mike, I, I don't fully put it on this generation, because if you look back, he mentioned Dale Earnhardt. Uh, Dale Earnhardt wrecked a few people. Dale Earnhardt was aggressive. Go back to some of the feuds even even prior to that. Days of Thunder movie was made off of the battle between Jeff Bodine and Dale Earnhardt where they were intentionally wrecking each other every week. So this isn't something new, okay? Rattling um, cage. <laughs> right. And there's another great example. A lot of them would revolve around Earnhardt. Um, but there were some other, you talk about um, Cale Yarbrough and uh, I'm trying to think who his rival was. Now, you did occasionally still have those clean drivers, David Pearson, Mark Martin. In this day and age, I would put Martin Truex in that category. So there are still those few. Uh, I think Alex Bowman is one of them. And I, know, I say that because he came through those teams where he had to protect the car, because if not, he didn't have a car to run the next week. So the, the great point that I think Sharon made with the ones that were saying the next generation younger ones, you know, I said they haven't worked on the car. They came through the sim in the iRacing where you're right. You messed up, you reset, you go on. They don't understand that. It's not push a button and then the car is there. So I think there is a tie-in with that. Um, 
lastly, to wrap up, and I'm trying real hard. I know we've all expressed our frustration. Denny Hamlin is actually building a bucket of disrespect and losing respect um, by the things he does. And we've said it when it comes to championship runs, in this case, why was he in the back to begin with? You're right. He had a fast car. He was too fast on pit road twice mm-hmm. in the same race. The last one cost him. He didn't have enough time to get back to the front. Um, and that wasn't just a nudge, hey, I'm faster, I need to go. Uh, you want to talk about not slowing down? It didn't appear, anyway, from the perspective we got on TV, that he even slowed down. He landed in there, hit him. I'm not saying he hooked him and tried to wreck him, but he certainly did not slow down and try and cut under him or even just give him a nudge and say, hey, I'm faster, I'm coming through. It was, get out of my way. And that's what he has talked badly about when it comes to other drivers. So, yeah, my respect level for him is going in a negative direction for sure. Okay, Andy? Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree more. You know, a lot of what Denny says and what Denny does are very much two different things, and we see it all the time. And with regards to respect, I think it's it's getting talked about more just because of the aggressive racing and, and incidents that we've seen. But, you know, cars running into each other and, you know, and spinning each other out goes back to when the sport started in 1948. On-track incidents are never going to go away. And I I just think that the level of aggression has increased over time to where these incidents are more prevalent. It is interesting to me that it's become such a topic of debate because there's a lot of finger pointing. Everyone talks about respect and how there's a lack of it, but, you know, it's like everyone's everyone's saying that everybody else is doing it. No one's really stood up and said, yeah, you're right. I'm disrespectful and I need to get better at this. I haven't heard one person stand up and admit that they need to do a better job. You know, I mean, everyone's saying, oh, yeah, Russ we got to do a better Well, there you go. All right. So I stand corrected. So Ross had the guts to stand up and say, I need to do a better job. But I'll give him credit for that. But nobody else has done that yet. And it's, instead, it's just been a ton of finger pointing primarily. So I'll give Ross credit. You know, and I think Ross, you know, he's been a part of a couple of things this year, but, you know, I, I haven't seen him do anything crazy this year, you know, but he's the, he's the favorite target to blame everything on. And it's just, you know, something that'll probably pass with time until the next thing happens between a couple drivers. And that'll be the new big topic, I'm sure. But it's just interesting to me that, you know, everyone says that everyone needs to do better, but. I guess with the exception of Ross doing it last year, no one's really stood up and, and admitted that they need to do a better job. So I don't know. And, and we're going to, what, Bristol Dirt this weekend? And, you know, I, I'll, I'll be the first one to admit that, you know, what Briscoe did there last year was out of line. I hope he has a cleaner race this year so I don't have to go through that kind of stress again. <laughs> but, um, you know, it, it's, it's, the, it's the type of track that lends itself to, you know, aggressive racing and some crazy moves, and I find it pretty enjoyable for sure, And um, but I'm not sure that we're going to see good, clean, respectful racing this weekend. I'm sure something will happen that we'll uh, undoubtedly be talking about on Monday. And it will be Ross Chastain's fault, whatever it is. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, 
I, I, Ross Chastain did say as well today, or I don't know if he said it today, I think he said it on Sunday, um, that he's he's kind of created this situation with some of the driving and his learning curve of coming into the Cup Series. Uh, he doesn't make it easy for drivers to give him the benefit of the doubt on a lot of these things. So when things happen, he's the first person that people think of. Uh, so I get where he's coming from with that as well. I think he understands it. But there was an interview with him, uh, I think uh, it was Bob Pockris, that <laughs> did you hit uh, somebody? He said, yeah, I never touched him. Um, uh, and it turns out later that once Christopher Bell watched that video, he said uh, he understood what happened, and he apologized to William Byron and that it had nothing to do with Ross Um But he, what I found interesting is he apologized to William Byron. He didn't apologize to Ross Chastain. But anyway, um, it, it's, the racing is what it is right now, and like I say, um, I don't see it changing anytime soon. We're going to see this kind of racing uh, you bought a Bristol Dirt that coming up this weekend. We're going to see it again. People are going to get their feelings hurt, and Ross is going to get blamed for another wreck. But um, um, it, it's just it's just something that uh, I don't know what it's going to take for it to change. I wish NASCAR would look at it and, and see if there isn't something they can do. I know they're not going to put the radiator out on the front of the car, uh, to keep drivers from trying to knock each other around. But uh, I wish they'd look at something that they can do. Another idea that Ryan Blaney had was to um, uh, take about 80% of the reinforcement out of the bumpers uh, so that the bumpers are a little less secure and drivers won't do that stuff because they don't want to mess up their car and, and give themselves flat tires like they used to, like what used to happen. Uh, when they got aggressive on the track. But um, we'll see. We'll see. You're right. It's, this is something that's been happening in NASCAR for a lot of years. It just seems to be uh, a lot more prevalent at certain tracks, I guess. And um, it's just getting to be a little frustrating to a certain degree. But we'll see what happens. Uh, I don't expect it to change anytime soon, uh, nor do I expect Denny Hamlin to change anytime soon. Uh, he's his own worst enemy as far as ever winning a championship because of the antics that he pulls. And he's starting, especially early this year, um, he needs to just focus on driving his car. Mike? Ross Chastain turned me into a newt. A newt? A newt? I got better. <laughs> I got better. So, so speaking of old movie gags, this, this really feels like the old standoff where everyone's got their guns up and they're all pointing them at each other. Okay, on the count of three, we're all going to put our guns down. One, two, three, and everyone's still got the guns up because they don't trust each other. It feels like that's exactly what we've got going on in NASCAR right here. Everyone talks about, hey, we need to do better. We need to not wreck each other. We need to race with more respect. But no one's going to do it first because, like you guys have said, if you show that weakness, you're going to get run over because – the system 
forces them to do what they're doing right now. They've been given a weapon of a car that they can use to their advantage to shove other people out of the way, and they've been put in an environment where there's so much pressure, especially the later the season gets, there's so much pressure to finish as well as you possibly can. The days of, well, I'm just going to take my top ten and go home and get them next time, that's not a viable option anymore, especially in the playoffs where if you don't win, you're done. Your season is over. So, I, I, I like the idea of maybe making the cars less durable. Obviously, we don't want to compromise safety, but if we can put them in a way that you do run a serious risk of ruining your own day if you don't drive with a little bit more caution. Uh, I'm not, I, I don't want to say drive with more respect, but drive with a little bit more regard for your own car. Forget everybody else. You, you put yourself in a position where you can ruin your own day by making some dumb, aggressive moves. I think that might help us out a little bit here in terms of, returning the racing to being racing instead of just who can dump the leader last and end up being the guy who wins the race. Cause that's, that's a real ugly look. And I don't, it's not really a race at that point. It's just attrition. And that's not really fun to watch. It's not competitive. It's just, it's luck and aggression is all that is. And that's not as much fun as a good race of skill. Well, I'll tell you what, we had a lot of passion here tonight. We only got to two hot topics. <laughs> For the for the whole hour, so um, that's that's just a lot of passion about the topics that we talked about here tonight, and everybody's everybody's uh, kind of on their soapbox about it. But uh, we're going to have to call it a night here and uh, go to our roundtable. So Jay, I'll start with you on the roundtable. Well, I'll be quick about my uh, social media. Michael Hoosman on Facebook, MoparMJ8 on Twitter and Instagram, and I'll use my time to point out, points-wise, Alex Bowman, Ross Jastain, Christopher Bell, and Kevin Harvick are all in the top five in points without wins. And if you were to pick drivers that aren't necessarily other than Ross Jastain, um, show some respect and take care of their equipment. Like I said, I mentioned Alex Bowman. Harvick's up there as well as well as Chastain and Bell. I know Bell was involved, but it can be done. You just have to choose to stand by it. Okay, Andy. TV14 fan on uh, Twitter, as always, good to be back tonight after uh, the weekend of racing this past weekend. And um, Thursday is to be determined. I'm probably going to have to fly this week. Um but um, we'll see what happens. Hopefully it'll work out. Okay. Mike. Mike underscore is on Twitter. Mike double underscore O on Reddit. I've got an article up. This uh, actually went live last week examining some of the issues that we had at the end of the Circuit of the Americas race. Again, tying into the issue, the broader issue of respect. I would appreciate it if you write it. If I don't get any clicks and I don't get any reads, Really, the only person to blame there is Ross Chastain. <laughs> okay. I am Fan for Racing site on Twitter and Fan for Racing blog and radio everywhere else, including the website fanforacing.com. Um, so, yeah, we didn't uh, – unfortunately, Sam wasn't able to do the uh, recap for today. He says he's going to have it for me tomorrow morning, so we'll try to get that up. Uh, sometime tomorrow morning and last week Owen wasn't able to do the uh, power ranking so hopefully we'll get a power ranking after uh, after the races at Richmond this weekend 
so watch for those to be coming out. I, I know Chase Briscoe's the media interview this week. I'm really anxious to hear uh, what he has to say. And I know, Andy, you wanted to – you're disappointed that you're not able to kind of pick that one up. Um, if there's any way I can help out there, let me know. But uh, uh, I, I think it is going to be a good interview with Chase uh, Briscoe this week. Um we also had a couple of really great guests on earlier today from the ARCA West, uh, Sean Hingarani, who won the race uh, for Venturini Motorsports, which, by the way, Venturini, who's known as an East Coast team, is uh, running Sean Hingarini in both the ARCA East and the ARCA West full-time this year. They want to get the championship on both of those series uh, this year, so that's the first time that they've done that. And then also, um, uh, Sean won that Arca race at uh, Irwindale Speedway this past weekend. So he talks about that. Uh, we also had Jake Bowman, and I'm going to spell it. It's B-O-L-L-M-A-N on the show tonight. And he is a rookie in the Arca Menard Series. He's racing a part-time schedule in the Arca West this year as well as uh, some uh, pro-late and super-late model races and legend car racing. He's only 15, so there's some tracks that he can't race on. But he's planning to come back and race as a rookie next year, so that's why his schedule is so limited this year. So, uh, But he gave us a, an interesting interview as well. So uh, if you get a chance, go back and listen to those interviews. Uh, big shout-out to our listeners for tuning in and to our Fan for Racing crew. Uh, couldn't do it without you guys. So uh, with that, I think we're ready to call it a night here, everybody. Good night, everybody. Good night. Talk, talk to you Thursday. We'll be back on Thursday at 8.30 p.m. Eastern to do the preview of the uh, Bristol Dirt Races. Good night, everybody. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.